0: Everybody and welcome to Mortally Wounded Episode 18. I'm your host James. And I'm your host Chris. Hey, Chris is back. And um, we have a very special uh, guest with us today, Brant Sirs. How you going, man? Yeah, good, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. No worries. So for people who um, who don't know, if you've been living under a rock for the last month or so, um, Brant uh, came to CanCon to call, call to glory down at uh, Canberra the Australia Day long, long weekend, last weekend as at time of recording. And um, he won first prize uh, in the best painted army judges choice category uh, at CanCon. So we, uh, we thought we'd get him on the show today and just have a chat about his army, how he got into the hobby, uh, talk about his games at CanCon, just, just and just a general sort of hobby discussion today and um, just sort of pick his brain and and just sort of get to know him a bit better. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's what we're going to do today. So, Brent.
1: Tell us about yourself. How did you get into the hobby? Uh, Yeah, so, uh, yeah, brand says I got into the hobby about four years ago. Um, I got in just at the tail end of the end times of 8th edition. Um, I've been into it before then, but I just kind of didn't have the financial means and that kind of thing to play. Um, I played, like, Warhammer Online and stuff like that, um, Warhammer PC games. Um, James actually got me back into it. Uh, I came back from... I used to be in the military. I got came back from a deployment, um, and picked up. I uh, already had started building an Empire army on square bases. Um, started picking up all the reference material, like all the editions of um, uh, Empire uh, battle tomes, pretty much like codexes and uh, the heraldry book. Um, started reading up on the law. Um, then I started moving everything to round bases. Initially, I put everything on uh, thirty-two millimeter and then realized that uh, 25 mil was the place to be um, <laughs> and had to re- uh, rebase quite a few things. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but, yeah, I've I've loved Empire ever since I saw it. Um, even with the new Age of Sigma factions, I love the base humans. I love the idea of uh, dudes with sticks fighting against, like, lords of change and more crushes and all kinds of things, you know, um, the determination of man. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it.
0: So um, that's that's cool, man. So, like, did you, like, read any sort of lore and background that sort of drew you to Empire as well?
1: Um, yeah. So when I was playing Warhammer Online, there was a lot of lore in that. Uh, I played a warrior priest on there, um, and I picked up tidbits from that, and I realised that there was actually a tabletop game behind that. Um, I picked yeah. up the 8th edition Empire book and started reading that, um, then picked up the Heraldry book, started reading about all the different provinces and that kind of thing. Um. And got into, like, the lexiconum online and read up on that. And then that's pretty much how I build my army is based off, like, one-liners from from law books and from, like, the lexiconum. Yeah, cool. um, like, for instance, I'm currently building a uh, elect count um, of uh, Ostermark um, from one line pretty much from the lexiconum where he's got a griffin called Bloodfeather um, <clears throat> and he wears, like, a helmet with a manticore on it to represent the, the province. Um so mine's kind of like I stuck with the old world lore uh with my army instead of moving on to say like these really bright free peoples, I kept it kind of like the grim dark of uh the old world.
0: Absolutely. Nothing wrong with that. <clears throat> Man, and um so from there, what sort of um informed your choices with like with your army you've got lots of different um units which come from different provinces. So yep. that came from that heraldry book?
1: Yeah. So initially initially the army was going to be based on, like, the southeastern regions of the Empire. Um, so, like, provinces like Avaland and Stirland, Wissenland. Um, even I was planning on putting, like, even Moot, um, your little half things in there with their, their cook pot and stuff like that. Um, and then now it's kind of branched out. Now that I've, after CanCon, kind of I love playing the army I'm going to invest in having pretty much a unit from every province.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So it's expanded from what it was used to be. It used to be just like the defenders of Blackfire Pass. Um. So like there was a like a volcanic area down the southeast of the Empire where the orcs always invade through. Um. And then now it's like I want the whole of the Empire encompassing in my army. So. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Cool. So you said obviously you jumped in and started collecting kind of at the end of 8th ed as yep. the end of the world that was um but you've had the army only in terms of a gaming army you've only had it for age of Sigmar and i know only fairly recently i think cancom was your first gaming yep. event with the army um do, how much do you keep the old world in your models knowing that they are in the new world setting. Like do you use basing materials and things like that? Um, like the corpses of dead creatures, for example, that didn't exist in the old world. So they're only things from the mortal realms. So are you having the army as if it is fighting in the mortal realms but still based off the old world? Or is it completely just lifted from the old world and you just play it in Age of Sigma?
1: So it's pretty much lifted from the old world. Um like my general on Griffin, Carl i I've kept Carl Franz. He's got an orc in his talons. Um, no, my general on horse, um, my avalanche general. He's got an orc on his base from the archers set. Um, he's like stamping down on him. I keep it in the the old world predominantly. Um, I don't, I have no qualms about putting um Age of Sigma stuff in there. Um, because it, the thing is, it can be kit bashed or painted to fit into the old world aesthetic. Um, especially if you're putting like say chaos stuff and stuff like uh the new stuff it doesn't it, it still can fit. Because my painting style is really drab and stuff like that, so it, I've got no problems with that. It'd be different, with say, if I was putting Carriage and Overlords, but they're <clears throat> they're a, they're an order army, so I'm not going to have those on my bases. I'm just going to have Destruction, Death, or Chaos. It's it's going to stick to those ones, and I can I can make those work. It's not hard.
2: Yeah, yeah cool. Yeah, and it, are you do you have a new, more Age of Sigma kind of army? in progress or planned or anything like that um, or do you want to stick with kind of old world armies and just play
1: the game? Uh, yeah, I'm, I will move into Nurgle, but I'm pretty sure that when I move into Nurgle, I'm going to keep it pretty much that old world aesthetic. Say like the end times where Nurgle was predominant in pulling apart the Empire. It's kind of ironic yeah. that I want to play the army that destroyed the Empire, but <laughs> um, I would kind of keep them to that old world aesthetic. I, I like that aesthetic. Um, Yep. If I In the future, I could see myself working on an Aegis Sigma-specific Sigma army um, where it, it goes into more the fantastical. Um, but I would like to try that with new um, processes, like using an airbrush and stuff like that, because that can I kind saw of store a lot of armies that were painted quickly using an airbrush that were painted really well. And I wouldn't mind doing that with, say, an elite army um, instead of playing like these massive horde armies. Yeah. yeah. So you yeah. might
0: get a um, Stormcast army or something like that at some point, do you think?
1: Yeah, the thing with, like, if I did a Stormcast, um, I kind of like the, um, uh, what are the silver boys? The um, the Hallowed Knights? Hallowed Knights. So I've tied those into my army. Like, I've got proxies of Azerosses, and I've got a proxy of the Encanter um, painted up as Hallowed Knights. So I'd probably go down that, that scheme uh, if I was. Um, but... It, the future is bright. Like, who knows what could come around the corner? Yeah. Like, dark, you got yeah. possible Dark Oath, uh, possible, like, Battle Tome for the Free Peoples that's like um, Legion of Gash, tying in a lot of factions. So, who knows? I could – the Spark could, you know, even be reinvigorated even more if they release, like, the Cities of Azirheim Battle Tome because then mm-hmm. I will just double down on Free Guild, to be honest, because <laughs> I get the Iron World Arsenal, Collegiate Arcane – um, all these allies I can put into my army, and they I just see them as hobby opportunities, like everything is just hobby opportunity, yeah um playing against Danny Carroll and seeing like he 's a zero copter like i've got i'm getting in a zero copter now, uh, a zero copter two electric buff bro so um <laughs> but that was a hobby opportunity He's like I saw that and I was like, yeah, I want that, I want to do that um and i've seen that you know with post cancon coming up with lists and like. Their, their hobby opportunities like the General on Griffin and more handgunners and more swordsmen and stuff like that. So yeah. So what wait, sorry, James, you go.
0: I was just gonna say, um so 'cause like I've known you for a number of years now. It's like um people don't know Brent and I were in the military together. I'm I'm still in there. <laughs> he's still in prison. He's gone into freedom. <laughs> yeah. But um no, it's uh so Brent's been predominantly a painter. Yep. Um, hobbyist over this period of time. So you know, this is his first tournament. But it's interesting the conversations we've had since um how like until recently um his choice of units and army selection has been based largely on his hobby opportunities. Yeah. But um now that there's some list writing involved, um you're starting I've noticed you're starting getting some more ideas about you how you yep. want to expand the army, how you, what you want to add, what you want to change mm-hmm. to make it a bit more Effective or whatnot. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of like it feels like, from what I've observed, that it's sort of the list writing aspect of the hobby and the gaming side of the uh, aspect of the hobby has started to inform your hobbying. Yes, a bit more. They're kind of inf- help. They're sort of feeding each other and f- informing each other. Like, yeah. uh, is that something that you can would agree with?
1: Yeah, I'd say I've got the Chris Welfare bug, uh, which is like
2: ideas. <laughs> Just floating around my head, James. That was going to be my question anyway. Is how did you choose the army? Was it chosen on the models you wanted, or at what point are you starting to build models based on their the competitive part of the gaming side? So So that was yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. I'd say it's meshed now. (laughs) Like uh, after playing games and seeing, I think it's the best lesson learned from a uh, a game is seeing what doesn't work, um, and then realizing those gaps need to be uh, need to be filled. Yeah. Um, can I take
2: can I take a punt demigrip
1: nights didn't work uh, one unit would work two units didn't uh, <laughs> they were yeah well that's a different tangent we'll come back to that when we talk <laughs> about games and stuff but um so yeah it, it, they are it is informing the way I um hobby now which is thing is i I look at I was looking at the list I created a new list recently post cancon like this is what I need to do um especially after playing um Danny with his free guild and uh, a few of the stronger lists like uh Vanguard auxiliary chamber and um, Glooms- even the gloom spike gets um, utility is key like having things that can do multiple um, multiple uh or multiple abilities like having handgunners that can reach out um, having high damage, um, mid-range ranged attacks and like strong screening units. I think that's probably the biggest thing, especially you'd know, James, playing Legions and a Gash, having those direwolves to screen and stuff is invaluable.
0: Yeah, definitely. um... Yeah.
1: Um, So I I just, I look at that stuff and go, I need that. Okay, look at the law books, like the uniforms and heraldry book, Um, get on Lexiconum, get on Empire Codexes and like how can I fit this into the theme of my army? Yeah. Um, and it's not that hard with em- uh, with free guild. Now he called them empire again, um, because <laughs> there is limited. There is actually like
0: brand. You can call them. There what actually, life, you can call them
1: what yeah, you. <laughs> there's but a limited number.
2: They're sorry. in the old, world, so they are the yeah. empire. What?
1: Yeah, <laughs> so there are a limited number of troop choices really for the faction, um, and there, but there's so many color schemes. Um, there's so many options to um, kit bash, um, especially post uh, eighth edition. A lot of people were offloading their empire armies so i picked up so many of like the old school models um and so many of the uh but like the resin ones like marius lightdorf the electric count of avaland um balthazar gelt which i use as a knight and canter in my army um people just offloading them and i just picked them up cheap and then started making an army um because yeah a lot of people are like oh the aesthetic doesn't fit um age of sigma i'm like what do you mean they're, F- they're uh, Sigma's old, dead German friends, as the Painting Man put it. Um, and I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Yes, hello. We are, we are here to help out Sigma. My name is Hans.
2: <laughs> we, we come bearing sausages.
0: <laughs> oh, just a shout out to the Painting Man there. Love, lovely yeah. podcast. If you're listening to us, thank you. <laughs> You've made me laugh out loud many a time. Um, um,
1: but, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, Brant, um, can you? Would you be able to take us through your army um, and with their names, law, any sort of yeah. background law that you've created, and for the army as a whole, and for the characters yeah. and whatnot? And yeah, just take us through um, through each unit, each character, and just yeah, tell us about it.
1: Yeah, well, I've got so I've got the Kank on this, and then I've got a few additional units that I've painted. So I think I've got total maybe just under three k of Empire, um, which I painted over four years. Um, Like James said, being in the military, I pretty much finished the army. um, Seventy-five percent of the army in the last six months, yeah. Um, Because before that, I was constantly away. Um, Yeah. (laughs) um, But you know, when I did come back and hobby, I got a lot done. But there was a lot of distractions, like the forty K Death Guard and all that, just because of painting. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, and the Shadespire Warbands. But yeah, for the army. So for Can, I took the army was called the Defenders of Blackfire Pass because they're all from the southeastern regions of Empire. Um the leader was a, a general uh, on horse with a banner and a, a lance, um, named Viscount Leos von Liebwitz, um which is yes. uh he's from Wissenland, but his his sister is the uh, elector count of uh Nolm, uh the city state. Um famous for its oil. Famous for its oil, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's uh and it's engineer, uh, not engineering college, the, uh, the the Imperial School of Gunnery and stuff like that. So all my um all my cannons and Hellstorm rocket batteries are in that colour scheme. Yep. Um, uh, he's obviously in Wissenland, but Nolan's colours are black and red, but that goes without saying. Um, I had Emperor Karl Franz, obviously, uh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> 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 uh, Elector Count and Grand Prince of Reichland uh, was my free guild general on Griffin. Uh, I, this is one of the models that actually got me into the Empire. I loved. This model, I always wanted to paint it. Didn't think I had the skills to paint it, but I uh, it, I took a month and just painted it, and yeah, it's, I got it done. And I was so happy. It was like it's the one of the centerpieces next to the Luminarch. It's
0: a stunning, stunning model, model, mate. You've done a, a beautiful job on that. That's for
1: sure. Many sleepless nights, James. So <laughs> I got PTSD from that model. So I'm like sleepless um, nights. I know yeah, all about. Yeah. Them. <laughs> <laughs> um My night in cancer for the army was the Magister Primark. Oh, sorry not Magister prime Supreme Patriarch uh, Balthazar Gelt. So the he's <laughs> Balthazar Gelt, not Balthus, uh, as a knight in Canter. So I used the old model with him on a Pegasus, um, which is quite old. I'm pretty sure that's like maybe even 6th edition model or 7th edition. So I always wanted to paint that model up as well, so I got him done. I've also got a knight in cancer painted up for that, which is a – um. Uh, the encounter from the free magazine holding up like the, the skull smoke from the battle mage set. And he's like raising up a a zombie. That zombie in Uh, the coast, yeah. 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 Uh, And then I had the Luminarch uh, was the Magister Primarch Vespasian Kant on the Luminarch of Hish. So he's the, (laughs) he's the patriarch of the College of Light from Altdorf. Um, So I painted up the Luminarch white with blue and red highlights. And um, it's, the the Luminarchs they protect in Altdorf, like they're kind of like a massive asset, but they don't really let leave Altdorf without a guard. So I painted up a little Altdorf um, guard on the base as well. Yeah. Um, from the Heraldry book, the Altdorf Company of Honor, um, they've got like black armor and blue and red clothes. So that was just a cool little hobby, um, hobby edition mm-hmm. that I really, I, I, that's just the last model I finished before CanCon. So. Yeah. Well, so like
0: you're, all these units are telling contributing to and telling the story, story um, yeah, which is um, awesome which is just those little touches and yep. um, ideas that really put it like bring it up into the realm of um, tournament winning yep. painting so um, yeah so yeah with that Luminarch there were certain parts of that Luminarch that you painted that no
2: one will ever see <laughs>
1: Yeah, so all the bottles and the scrolls on the inside. Chris will know how. I was going to say, now now tell me, how uh, how did you paint this? How did you paint the inner shelves of this Luminar? I did it in sub assemblies, Chris. Oh, that would would be really smart. (laughs) yeah. Some people paint through the windows in the side, and I don't know how you do that, but (laughs) I'm amazed. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, I painted all that, I painted all the stairs. Yeah, this was probably the hardest model I've ever painted. Um, Took a while, this one, didn't it? Bit of yeah, luxury. I <laughs> I started putting basic coats on a year before it was finished. Wow. So So, um, yeah, it, it's a centerpiece in itself. That model. it is, yeah. yeah. Um, and the the, the icing on the cake is just—it's a great buff wagon for the army as well. Um, the six-up ward save, pretty much, is awesome, and the long-range. Uh, laser beam that never goes off—that's awesome too. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it's a and it's a wizard unbind um, and all that. So um, good for some
0: scenarios a, too. That one, yeah,
1: yeah. It's and it can have it gets lookout sir because it's not a monster as well. Um, it's an awesome piece to have. Um, but yeah, all those. Um, yeah, in addition to those, I've got a a free guild general on land, with a lance and a shield that I've painted up. Um, I've got a knight Aziros, which I'll be making the Azirocopter for, as Danny Carroll um, <laughs> inspired me for that. Um, and then I've got a heap of heap of stuff in the wings. I've got um, Marcus Wolfhart, which I'll put into my um, Archer unit. Um, he was the uh, huntsman, like the Grand Hunts, Hunt Marshal for the Empire. I've got a heap of old models. Um, he's MP-
2: amazing for eighty points as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's. Was he D six for monsters? Yeah, yeah. Um, from the uh, Compendium, but I've got all all heaps of old models I'm I'm painting up and to put in as leaders as well. I've got um, Ludwig Schwartzhelm, so he's got a banner and a uh, a rune fang, a sword, um, which I'll use in my one thousand point games and give him the sword of judgment, which he. I've, there's the sword of judgment is actually from the Empire from the Old World. Um, there was the sword of judgment, and there was another one. Which Ludwig Schwarzhelm and um, oh, the the Emperor's uh, bodyguard, uh, I've lost his name at the moment, had. Um, and so I'm going to give him that and run him in a thousand points. Um, it's not Luther so,
0: Huss. No, he's the um, Luther Huss. Nah, no, Luther Hus is, yeah. Luther, he's Kurt the, Helborg. Helborg, that's it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So, um, so there's two books called Sword of Judgment and Sword of Something um, that they've got. Um, so yeah, I've got those as well and a heap of other things. Um so, so moving for you, on it is a, it is a narrative choice for you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I look out for all the um the old empire models. Um like I'm using uh Tudor and Guard which I picked up from Cancon's buy swap and sell um as great swords as a 10 man unit of great swords. That was such
0: a good find. Like I've oh, heard yeah. of them. Are they are they Wolf. GW
1: or Yeah, they are. Yeah. They're they're I'm pretty sure they're Perry miniatures and uh like they were sculpted by the Perry Brothers. They've got uh, wolf pelts on and giant warhammers. Um, yeah. And then I've got they the. Look like, they look kind of like war clerics, don't they? They've got like yeah. sort of plate yeah. type armor at the yes. front and yeah. Yeah. Okay. They got um they got wolf pelt and like a wolf head on their shoulder, giant hammers. Um, and I picked up a uh, warrior priest as well, which I'm going to use as the um, Excelsior War Priest. Um, and then I've got a uh, instead of using a griffin griffhound. I'm going to use uh, one of the Space Wolves wolves um, as his griffon, um, as his griffhound. So another hobby opportunity to run the Excelsior War because he's got the D3 um, healing and stuff like that. Uh, so I'm a 3-up. So I want to build him as well. Um, but, yeah, I've got a few other characters. I've pretty much got every single character before they, they left. I've got the steam tank and... Um, I don't have the Celestial Hurricane, but I've got Marius Lightdorf, Volkmar the Grim, all those guys, which I'll use as proxies in the army. Um, yeah. So then onto the units. Yeah, it's <laughs> the units. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So oh, just as painful as the Luminarch was the 40 Free Guild Guard that I painted up. Um, <laughs> from the Heraldry book, they're the Swords of Ulrich. So they're based out of uh, Middenland. Um, with those dudes, I pretty much took it from there's a artwork in the book that has the unit and what they look like um, painted beautifully by uh, one of the GW artists. Um, And I pretty much copied it exactly as the way it's, it's depicted in the art. Um, So the champion's got like a, this long flowing gray hair. He's got a wolf pelt. He's got a hammer. Um, The dude. (laughs) Yeah. I pretty much, my, my shtick is to use whatever GW have provided the bits and make it exactly as what it appears in the book. Yeah. Um, So I've done that. I painted the 40. I had 10 Fregil Guard originally, and then I painted the additional 30 uh, end of last year. Um, So they're like a blue scheme with yellow shields. So it's like blue, red, and white um, is kind of their main colours. Yeah. Um,
0: But every single one of those shields, you um, freehand painted the wolf? uh, Ten of them are
1: freehand. Ten are freehand? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And 30 are... Oh, sorry. About another 15 are... um, Space Wolf bits that I got from uh, uh, a vendor, uh, a third-party vendor. Um, They're meant for, like, uh, vehicles and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, And then I've got 15 of the Horus Heresy um, Space Wolf decals on those as well with runes and stuff like that. So I've mixed it up to make it look like the units are like that. um, All all individual, They've all made their own shields. Yeah. Yeah. Every dude's pretty much got a different head as well from all the different Empire bits. Um, and then the the cloaks are from the Knights of the White Wolf from the old Knight set for Empire. So yeah. they've all got either uh, wolf cloaks or they've got snow leopard cloaks that I've put on and then painted those up.
0: Incredible. And they've <laughs> got little... Converted as well. <laughs> yeah,
1: little medallions as well from the White Wolf set with um, wolf's heads and stuff. they got those. they got... Little wolf tails hanging off their swords and that kind of thing. So,
0: and you painted the back of each shield too. In like uh, a wolf, a
1: wolf yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they're all timber behind behind each shield. So, I yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's my OCD. Yeah, yeah, that, it, it, See, it's,
2: yeah. The gaming the gaming part of me just goes, "That's two hundred eighty point unit." <laughs> like, <Yeah>. I can't. <laughs> yeah, that's why the army is just incredible, though, because. Yeah it's it's yeah. a hobby it's a hobbyist army but now you're getting into the gaming side so you are fully using it for gaming and you want to use it as a competitive gaming yeah. army but just the level is it's just incredible and that's yeah. obviously what you won but um and that's what i love is how every time you you say oh this is a unit and then you go oh yeah and this is the book this is the picture in the book,
1: <laughs> and you're like yeah, okay, it's that. Um, yeah. So yeah. Well, that's yeah. kind of why I kept like the muted. They're not as bright as some other armies as well. Is because I keep it to like the oil painting that they did, um, in the book. So I don't do as many. I don't actually do as many highlights and like blending as that because I don't want them to. I don't. It's t- it's too much effort to to blend and stuff on little dudes like that, and people don't really notice. It's better to focus on the little details and make them kind of pop. So that's like the yellow shields on the swordsmen. They're they're easy to see on the table with these bright shields. um. So I tend to focus on details. So my thing, my shtick is like details and like kit bashing. That's, yeah. Yeah. You've bringing out the little massive, details.
0: Um, massive bits box, don't you? Like with all, uh, <laughs> it's like yeah. all, all divided up into categories and stuff, isn't
1: it? Or- uh, yeah, it's all broken up into like the, what, Um, so I've got like all range weapons in one thing and yeah. all the range stuff, all the swordsman stuff in one thing, all the knights, no, all that. Yeah, it's all categorized it's
0: uh just for ease of access and like yeah. it's just just your yeah your devotion to the um to having all that organized and squared yeah. away is yeah it's sort of it it, it filters through <laughs> down into you painting and yeah. conversions and stuff as well it's like i think you've got like one of the neatest and cleanest um hobby rooms i've ever seen oh, as well <laughs> not at the moment there's stuff <laughs> everywhere
1: but yeah ah. it's in the build phase for ah. the new stuff which we'll go over <laughs> later but yeah it's yeah. It's still probably pretty neat by everyone else's standards. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, that's, that's awesome, man. And, yeah, so, what's, uh, what's next? Uh, so, the Stern Tower Marksman, uh, my 30 Free Guild Crossbowman, is probably like the strongest damage dealing unit in the army, um, especially when they got the, the ability to move and they don't get the limitation on the shoot. So, they can shoot twice even if they move now. Um, nice. So, yeah, they're, they're awesome. I painted them up as uh, from the Empire Heraldry book again, the Stern Tower Marksman, so, like, a grey and white scheme um, with red highlights. Um, so much to say about them. They're, they don't have a lot of conversion. They've got some purity seals added. Um, I converted up the champion um, from the, the militia set, um, so he has, like, these high boots. He's got, like, a crossbow from the militia set with notches in it for, like, things he's killed um yeah. yeah and then yeah they're, they're pretty they're not not they're pretty stock standard i i used the, the paint job to make them stand out a lot more um because they don't look that different in the artwork from the actual base models um yeah. so i kept them pretty normal yeah um next is like the avalan mountain guard um so they were based on one line from the avalan um law saying that there's Units of Avalan troops that hang out in the hills around Avalan to protect from incursions from like uh, not from the dwarves, from the Greenskins and uh, the moon, like the grots and all that. Mm. Um, so they're like hardened veterans who fight all the time, do these patrols. Um, so they they do have a few conversions. They've, a few of them have got like dwarf shields on their back. Um, they've got full plate armor almost. Uh, so they got body armor and they got most of them got helmets. I converted up the champion with a third-party knight head, um, gave him uh, like a, a feather on top, and he's pretty much converted up from the general on foot. Um, I used the Forge World banner, uh, which is actually an avalanche banner. Um, it's got really cool detail on it. It's got like a moon and the sun and feathers sticking up everywhere. It's highly detailed. So I painted that up for the Free Guild um, Greatswords and... Musicians, just a normal dude, and then the rest uh, yeah, just got little conversions on um, on the bases and stuff like that. You know, adding broken shields and, and bottles and all kinds of stuff that would be strewn over the battlefield, um, which I've done throughout the whole army as well. Yeah, gorgeous. Yeah. Um, next one's the Royal Altdorf Griffites. Uh, this unit was based on the Warhammer Total War unit, uh, so they got a regiment of renown in there called the Royal Altdorf Griffites. They're kind of like the nobles. Um, in, uh, in Altdorf who have tamed these, these demigryphs. Um, so I, I keep bash those with the general on griffin, um, set, um, the great sword set, that kind of thing. Um, they've all got like laurels on their heads to signify that they're champions of the realm. Um, and I, um, yeah, none of them have lances and stuff like that. So they used as lance and sword, but they don't actually have any lances. Um, they're blue and red, um, yeah, the the Altdorf colors. Um, I converted up the front, so the breastplate on the demigriff has shields that I've stuck on instead of having the ones from the normal set, like the skull and the the um, what is it? Uh, there's a skull and a, one of the breastplate. Oh, like a sun, and I've put shields on there and it um, and painted them up in Altdorf colors um, yeah. to break them up to make them look different from the other unit. Yeah. Um, so the other units, the Knights Griffin, they're Pretty much the ones that appear um, on the g w site they've got like uh crimson dark crimson armor um, and they got red and uh what was it black and yellow um, cloth and that kind of thing, so I kept them sticking to the original concept because that's what they are in the book um yeah. knights griffin so yeah, and then I added, added the everblaze comet, which I painted up in yellow to because if you're going to have an army that defends uh, or fights for Sigma, you got to have a twin tail comet in there. Yeah. So, and it's a it's a awesome to play with as well, even if it doesn't go off that regularly. <laughs> <laughs> and then soul snare shackles as well, which I would never used the whole tournament, so that was good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and on top of that, I've got uh, twenty free guild uh, halberdiers uh, painted up in avalanche colors as the von Cragsburg guard. Uh, I've got five outriders pounded up. Uh, painted up as a unit I created called the Avalanche Rough Riders. Yep.
0: Uh,
1: and then I've got ten handgunners, uh, which are the Nolan Ironside set from uh, Forge World.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and they're yeah they're they're really cool. I've also painted up like a, a Griffhound, uh, which I painted up to go with my army before they turned it into a unit, <laughs> which I can't. I have to paint up more now. Um, <laughs> and then yeah, all the scenery is painted up to suit the army. Um, yeah,
0: like um, so with those, just with those uh, outriders, yep. I remember um, like it, they didn't feature at um, cancon, but I've I've seen them and they've you've painted their um, their long cloaks like, like proper leather,
1: yeah, like worn
0: <laughs> worn leather um, uh, colours like that sort of drab sort of brown yep. um, effect. But they look, they look they look amazing. Like it's just they're so realistic, and I think that's one thing I really like about your style is um, that you do try to recreate realism in your in your painting. Yeah, which is like you know how you say like the more muted sort of style, but um no, it's definitely it 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 really helps with the immersion into the world that they, they uh, is being represented. I feel as well like in that respect, yep. um it's just a great alternative to like you see like my army included like um a lot of bright colours, more fantastical kind of uh, narrative behind it. But um yeah, <laughs> it's really refreshing and cool to see um, a different sort of uh, approach and um have the more natural muted sort of style. um, rising to the top. So it's, yeah. it's really, it's amazing. It's cool.
1: Yeah, cause a lot of people say like the light does the work for your, your paint job as well. Um, so keeping it muted, isn't that bad. Like I think my army looks, probably looks better in the light than it does seeing in the dark. Um, cause it helps bring it out a bit more, but yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: So, um, with you, you've got lots of banners, um, in oh, your, yeah. <laughs> that you've painted in your unit. So, um, they're most of them are freehand, aren't they? Uh,
1: Every single one is freehand, yeah, except for the the sculpted ones. Um, yeah. So the the swordsmen, the the swordsmen, the crossbowmen, um, and the halberdiers all have painted banners. Yeah. Um, yeah. The rest are, are sculpted. They were they were interesting to do. Uh,
0: yeah. So like was that? So can you would you take us through your yeah with like how you um how you approach painting a freehand banner because like. I can tell you right now, like I, it's something I've tried very limited yeah. <laughs> and it's it's it's, well, it's very difficult to really make it look um, amazing. So you've definitely achieved that for a great it was, yeah,
1: yeah, it was a lot of um trial and error. Uh I pretty much follow the GW way of like uh sketching it out. Um I have a drawing background, so um I sketch it out with uh like thin down rhinox hide. Um and then
0: yeah,
1: onto the banner, onto the banner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, after doing its base color and then build up the colors from there, uh, as if you were painting layers for a model. Okay. Um, yep. Yep. and then I've got the, the Heraldry book again, which is my Bible. I, I base the, the the, the schemes off that, um, yep. except for some of them, which the units don't have a banner in the picture. So I make up myself, um, like the Avaland, uh, the Von Kragsberg Guard, the other side of their banner, I had to make up. So it's like a sun with um, all their battle honours, so all the battles that they've fought in. Yeah. So I I looked up the lore and I got all the battles that Avaland had fought in in the past. Yeah. Um, and, and and made a banner based off that. Um, but the rest are, are taken from... Oh, and the swordsmen as well. They didn't have a banner in their picture, so I had to... Um, I had to make one up of that as well. Um, but, yeah, it's just layering, 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 very thin layers. Like I'm talking like maybe like one to three and, you know, 50-50 even depending on how smooth I want to get it, especially with like your whites and your brighter colours. Yeah. Um, but, and yeah, there's nothing nothing really unique with how I'd do them, I guess. Yeah. It's with
0: the process and practice. The process,
1: yeah. yeah. You have to put in the time and, and effort. Um, like the, the Avalan one was my first one. And then I've practiced on smaller things, yeah. uh, like my crossbone. I've got like little um, crosses and stuff for Wissenland on there. So I practice practice over and over again on those, doing little bits of freehand on the shields for the swordsmen and stuff. So when I do the banners, I've got a bit more experience. Some more steady hand uh,
0: with it all and, and, yeah, and what you need yeah. to do. Yeah.
1: But it's- mistakes are made, man. Mistakes are made and you learn from them. Like you get frustrated and you're like, nah, I need to – I need to carry on doing this so yeah
0: so do you was there any banners that you had to kind of just start from scratch again like how many times did you have to do that um <laughs> just sort of persevere through and fix it up as you went
1: i have one i pretty much did straight off which yep. was odd because it was my first one i thought i would be sitting there hours and hours trying to get it done um then the um the the western land one was that was difficult um I did do I did try that a few times because it's got a flaming skull on it. So That's trying to cool. trying to paint yeah trying to paint flame on a flat surface, um, it was hard. But it helped me actually paint the flames on the uh, Luminark, the braziers uh, on there. Um, yeah. That one was difficult. The so I, I did the the swordsman one al- almost directly after the Whistland one, after the Crossbone one. So that one was really easy. Um, it was a lot simpler too, and that was like. Two years, three years into the hobby. So I picked up a lot of skills and got a lot more confident in doing them. Yeah. Because I think that was probably the most, the scariest thing about doing a, a free guild army is the banners. Um, yeah. <laughs> and perfect. the thing is, yeah. It's yeah.
0: A, it's an essential component of it as well, isn't yes. it? Yes.
1: Yeah. Because yeah. they're one of the few armies where, you know, maybe despite like Slays of Darkness and that, where you have to actually paint the banners. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to paint them, but. Some people are crazy. People so. yeah, well, just can't help themselves. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you, you said um, you have a um,
0: like you had a bit, bit of a drawing background. So yeah. like, did you have, like, have you done any sort of study or training in in drawing um, in the past, or is just something you've just always sort of done?
1: Uh, I had interest in drawing um, since I was a kid. Always drawing. Uh, I did one year of an architecture degree, which I didn't finish because um, I decided working in a super mar- supermarket was better. Um, <laughs> As <we> but <laughs> yeah so i like cultivated some experience from that i i draw in a very methodical way and i then i tend to paint in a very methodical way um yeah. uh I, i'm getting to the point you know oh, about a year ago i got to the point where i didn't need the recipes for gw and i was just doing it by eye based on what i think looked good yeah um so i've kind of issued that that, that methodical approach like I do in my drawing but I still do it with my banners I still draw them out I still do the follow the same yeah uh, principles of layering and stuff like that yeah so
0: like you've kind of just you've, over the last four years you've just you've started off and then yeah um, you've built up your repertoire of techniques and things and you've you've, you've drawn from GW um, yeah. on the guides and everything and the, the the way they do things and you've adopted yep. that into your own sort of style. And over time you've developed your own sort of way of doing things. Yep. So so for people out there listening, um, yeah, like don't, don't be discouraged if you're, if when you're painting your army, it doesn't, yeah, don't, don't be tough on yourself. Like it's yep. early, early days and you're, you're learning new techniques. And over time, just with practice, you'll, um, those, those techniques will develop and you'll start adding your own things. You'll start coming up with your own ideas, ways of doing colors. Yeah. Um, and encourage you, yeah, get into it. Try and try out some freehand. Like, what, what can you lose? All you're going to do is, is, is learn, you know, and get better. So, um, yeah, so that's a real testament. Um, it is possible. So,
1: well, we saw that with like Chris, like starting to enjoy the painting, and he's oh, like yeah. <laughs> getting into it. He's like, I'm, I'm doing layers, I'm doing highlights. I'm doing, he's like, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: it's like yeah, it slowly it slowly happened that yeah. the your norm just increases yes the the amount you're willing to do to a model just increases and becomes your norm and i'm still a long long way away from being anything near a proper painter i'm still a gamer and i will paint to a gaming standard and what i can do but my willingness for oh i just need to add another layer here for this to be done it just the more you paint you realize you get quicker and you you look at the colors and you go no, that's not done. I can't just put I can't just put Xandry dust base coat <laughs> and say that that is done as yeah. a piece of material. I know I have to put another top. layer on top and then wash yeah. it. And then if I do just a quick edge highlight and then maybe another one just on the very edges, it's actually very quick and easy, but it makes a massive difference. Yeah. Yeah, um, but yeah, so that's an awesome overview of your army brand and every unit. And where you get the inspiration from Um, so it sounds like if you want to add a unit to it you just go and search for background and that kind of determines your color scheme for you because that can be a big area that people can get hobby block and they can struggle to even start on a unit because they don't know color scheme they don't know how to do that so it sounds like you just you pick the unit you want to do and then you will do some research in your heraldry books or you'll go through the lexiconum and find a unit and then you just copy that copy that scheme or Um, if if it's not a picture, you can still take inspiration from just what they're wearing and the area they're in. Snowy cloaks and snow leopards and things like that gives you gives you colour scheme. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's a really awesome overview. I think what would be really useful for anyone listening is if we just go through your how you actually kind of paint. But if we go through the various stages of preparing a model and what you paint and let's kind of break that down a little bit and get your get your views and your kind of um talented opinion on what kind of brushes you use what paint ranges do you use how do you thin your paints how do you prepare a model before you even put paint to it and that will that will be really useful for people to kind of maybe that's things that they haven't even considered of um i always find it really interesting listening to people different people talk about how they actually go about painting because people have really different methods and they can all get very similar results but from painting in very different styles um and that's one of the things for me that has actually encouraged me to try painting a bit more is experiment with i'm more doing like i say my nurgle army i think i talked about briefly a while ago is going to be a technical army where i'm basically just it's a low skill but i'm using lots of technical paints and creating custom glazes and washes and Mm -hmm. things like that and that is just something that i'm going to try and do after listening to byron from face hammer talk about how he glazes and washes and things like that um so yeah can we can we kind of talk through that just any yep. kind of typical miniature, even just your your standard battle line troops because they're still to an incredible level mm-hmm. um how would you go about for a start like assembly what what do you use how do you assemble your models um and go through to priming
1: yep um so I'll go from go to work. I'm working on um handgunners at the moment, so I'll use those as an example um so I do the, the research. I find a line from somewhere and go, yeah, okay, that's the unit I want to do. I get the parts together um, that I want to do the kit bash with. So I'll either, if it's very specific, I'll buy them from whatever bits site there is uh, or I've already got them. Um, I'll get them all together and I'll do dry fitting and I'll make sure that everything can fit or where I have to take bits off and where I don't and that kind of thing. So a fitting stage. And dry um, fitting, dry, dry fitting, fitting for
2: anyone that might not know is just literally putting the pieces together how they should be glued, but without glue. Yep.
1: Yeah, I'll use blue tack for that, um, okay. and then I'll build the unit. Um, depending on how difficult it is, I'll build the entire unit with blue tack to see what it, how it works. Um, oh, wow! Yeah, just to make sure because sometimes when you're making, for instance, using like a greatsword banner hand on a like a crossbowman body it doesn't fit exactly or it might hit like the ammo pouch and stuff like that. So you have to make sure that those things fit before you even chuck them down. And they're sitting in a – they don't look awkward on the base. We all know those models that kind of look awkward. You're like standing in like a, a, a interesting pose where they're like leaning forward but the banner's like going completely the other way or it's like at a right angle and just doesn't look right or his head's looking straight up. Like there's, you have to get there, all these, these poses right before you even get – glue on the model so i'll go through that um then i will start gluing everything in usually i'll i'll file everything back i've got um james got me onto these like diamond uh, files which are awesome i got those i i file back i use the the gw's sprue cutter thing um my knife and all that and i'll get rid of every single bit of flash on it but that's so you're a, mold,
2: you're a mold line scraper.
1: Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I will go in I'll happily go insane getting rid of every single in every single one. Um because especially when you get that primer on, you can see them if they are very prominent. Um that's my least favorite stage. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like doing the flash. I think it is for lots of people. Yeah. That and the so base, know, base coats. I can't say I've met anyone who says, Oh, I love taking flash off models.
2: <laughs> Clint loves a good mold line scrape. <laughs> Does he? Um, so do you, do you find, you said you use diamond files. That's personally what I use as well. Yeah. Um, But I don't, I have never used a mold line scraper in my life. Do you yeah. find that you need to do both?
1: Yeah, I do. So I'll, depending on how thick that mold line is, uh, especially on the old empire models, like I got this box of handgunners now, Jesus Christ, the the, the mold lines on that. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> after doing some of the newer age of sigma models yeah i have to use both to get that mold line off because it's just horrendous it's cutting across like a cloth that's wrapped around their legs you know you have to get that fine file in there to keep the detail of the model otherwise you lose it with the the mold line scraper because you can cut too deep and that kind of thing Um, so i do that and i also use the hobby knife very in very rare occasions where i need like a very sharp angle to cut into, yeah. Um, to That's get the bit. plastic out, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I use a mul- multitude of tools. I'll even use fire sometimes, like a, a oh. lighter, okay. to melt things and then like smooth it over. Um, <laughs> if it's really that bad, to wow. yeah, yeah. I'm ahead of that, you have to be very careful. I use it with a pin, so I have like a pin wrapped in like like cloth, and I'll heat it up and I'll smooth over areas with heated with a heated pin. Wow. Um yeah, right. <laughs> it's you have to be very careful though, you can you can do irreversible wreck damage it. <laughs> Yeah.
0: Oh wow. Uh, I didn't know you did
1: that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I got a lighter at my hobby desk which worries a few people, but um
2: <laughs> I have a I have a lighter too, but it's only for cleaning out glue from uh those oh, yeah. pin tubes. Yeah, um, I use
1: that as well, yeah, for that. that. Yeah. So yeah. I do I do all that. Um so I get all the mold lines off, smooth everything out. Then I start glue. I'll glue the body to the base first, um, and then I'll just I'll add all the bits. So I just use normal pl- like Humbrol plastic glue, um, which is is super easy. Um, and then for resin, it's super glue. Um, and then sometimes I'll use super glue on the base of the model if the model is particularly um, uh, like awkward. You know, like a flying flying model and stuff like that. Um, like my recently made General on Griffin, who's He's stuck on top of a, um, a tree um, to keep the, the griffin from the Spire of Dawn set uh, up there. Yep. Uh, so I use super glue on the base there to hold, to make sure that's a sturdy base for him so it doesn't just snap off when I'm transporting it and stuff like that. Do you use any uh, particular brand of super glue? Uh, just the um, the thick CA glue that you get from like any hobby store, pretty much those yellow, green, and pink ones. Yeah. Um, I forget what okay. they're called, what brand they are. Zap is it? Zap, yeah, yeah, I like, yeah. yeah. You
0: can get them yeah. from a Combat Company Online, yep. I think. Yeah,
1: yeah. So more uh, like a more like a gel, super glue, or yeah. The, I got the medium CA. Yeah, that one's probably more like a, a a gel type. Um, it doesn't it dry. It doesn't dry as quick as like the yeah. the thick one, which dries like instantaneously. it's good for tournaments and stuff where stuff breaks. because um, I use a liquid super glue. I use
2: yeah. lo- I use Loctite. Loctite, um, yeah. Because I normally find that the gels. Just they get sticky, and I find that I get strands, oh, yeah. um, which can ruin my models. So it, I've, I'm surprised to
1: hear that you actually use a gel one. So that's interesting. Yeah. You get um you get the frosting and stuff, but I uh, don't. It doesn't really matter. Like the the white frosting you get from super glue. Um, but you just you just prime over that anyway. It doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't matter. So you, saying,
0: um, you mentioned to me um, a few weeks ago. We're talking about when I was I was putting together some of my models, and I think it was my my corpse cut cart- the dude on the back, there was the lines down on his cloak. Yeah. And you were like, just use super glue, just put super glue over yeah. the lines and then um, go back on it rather than yeah. using green stuff. So, that's something you use a super glue for as well, isn't
1: it? Yeah. I've had, um, so you like your battle mages, their cloaks are separated into three parts and they got this terrible line down the center. Um, I initially used green stuff, liquid green stuff, and then learnt the error of my ways that how bad that stuff actually is because it's yeah. so thin it doesn't, it doesn't sit kill. on top of the edge. Yeah. It just, it goes in and then just creates the same line. Um, and I tried to use normal green stuff and that's probably, surprisingly, I'm not, I, I hate green stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I use super glue, but the thing is with super glue, you have to make sure that it dries completely. No. Um, you have to, it, you know, I give it 24 hours and then I file it back. Um, and then the primer seems to fill in. If there is even a little bit of a gap in there, it fills it up.
0: Primer does and not
1: it, Yeah. But you have to make sure if it's, you can ruin your files if it's not completely dry because the super glue attaches to your file and makes it smooth, which is not the purpose of a file. Um, or you can get—you have to be careful. You can get very uh, the 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 residue when you're filing is very toxic. So you make sure you don't inhale that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. Um, but it works just as good. Uh, the thicker CA glues work just as good to smooth out lines. Um, I did that. Everything on my uh, Carl Franz is. Super glued, smoothed out, um, and it worked. So that's what I stick with now because I'm familiar with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't. I, I
0: wasn't brave enough to give it a crack on that model. I, I just I had to stick with what I knew because it was time critical. But I, I yeah. still used I used um green stuff to to fill those lines. But um, I couldn't help um, feeling yeah. I should have done tried that technique. But I'll, I'll do it next time definitely.
2: Yeah, yeah I have Good to make. say I I fill gaps with glue. I just yeah. pour it in. Pour in in the glue And then I just use a finger I literally run my little finger over the joint To remove anything excess I used to use tissue paper And then you will immediately realise Why you never ever ever use tissue paper To remove glue from a model (laughs) Um, because then you will be filing tissue paper bits off of your model for however long that takes. But, yeah, just using, like, your little finger, and it helps smooth. You can also plastic – you can use plastic glue because it melts the plastic. Oh, yeah. So you can remove subtle mold lines using plastic glue by rubbing it over, and then you can rub that down, and it will actually melt
1: down the mold line. Yeah. Yeah, sweet. Um, Um, You mind if we have a break? You mind if we – just have a break, oh, yeah, sure. I have so,
0: yeah, yeah, sure we have well, um all right, we'll, <laughs> take a break there. Um, the man himself needs uh needs to <laughs> take a rest. We'll we'll be back very shortly. Play the game. Everybody play the game.
2: Yeah. And we're back. So we've talked about how you assemble models. Um how do you go on to paint them? It's starting with priming. Do you prime? What do you prime with?
1: Uh so after things built um <laughs> post the built phase I go through and double check everything too um to make sure that all the mold lines are gone and any inconsistencies are kind of fixed up before I move on and then uh I've got about six like long dowel sticks um and I just blue tack the models on there use the GW primers um so I use Mechanica standard the most and Zandri dust um and I only, okay, only, it's so
2: gray, so grays and yeah. beiges rather than the traditional black.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. All white.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't use white for any of my Empire stuff. Um, it's always, if it's something with warmer colors, so yellows and reds and stuff like that, I'll, um, I'll use the Xandri Dust. And then for cooler colors, I'll use the Mechanicus Standard um, gray because I like, I like how the Mechanicus Standard goes on. It always tends to go on smooth. Um, yeah. Xandri Dust is a little bit more temperamental. So it has to be just the right kind of temperature. Like today is like, I think it's like 21 degrees or 22 degrees here, um, Celsius. So that's like perfect for Xandri Dust, which I'll I'll probably do some models later. Um, I've got some Sterling uh, Death Jacks, so uh, Empire Arches, um, which are like a motley of blue, yellow, red, green, uh, torquay, uh, uh, teal color. Um, so I'll do those with Xandri Dust um, and yeah. So I pretty much use, only use two two primers. Um yeah. So now, I don't do do you, any find
0: of... you can see the details better with the the lighter colors rather than the black or
1: Yeah. The reason I I don't use the black anymore is because it was too hard to pick out details. Um yeah. like my eyes are fine but um I tend to miss stuff with the black. Yeah. And I don't like how dull like I like my painting scheme is dull but I don't like how dull colors are sitting over a black um base coat uh, uh, yeah. uh, prime um so I stick with the gray um everyone knows that gray is kind of like the intermediate between white and well, it is between white and black and it's kind of like the one of the perfect uh priming colors you can use yeah um and sandry dust is kind of like that as well.
0: what about corax white have you ever um, have you used that we don't, i've we don't used that on that. my uh my like
1: snuff have like pox walkers and death guard um oh, yeah. and even in when, when I was living in sydney and I think the temperature was just right. You know, like the perfect, what, like 23, 24, 25 degrees. Mm. Still got that powdery stuff. Um, yeah. So
0: it's a bit hit and miss in our yeah. in Australian. Yes. Form, I think. Yeah. I think the humidity, like you can have the right temperature, yeah. but the humidity can really yeah. mess with it. So but, I've I've had mixed results. When it works, it's really great. Yeah. But um, you see you see it a lot, um, especially online and stuff. When you look at people's mm-hmm. um uh, models, you can see oh, it's been Corex white whited. <laughs> yeah. You can definitely tell that it's. Yeah.
1: It's... you got that powdery texture. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but if you want to improve your odds with it, like if you are going to use it, because I think of you, I told you about putting it in warm water. Um, yeah, yeah. So you stick it up to the the cap that goes over it in warm water for about 20 minutes, and what it does is it lo- loosens up the particles in it, like shaking it, except it loosens it up even more, um, and I've found that every time I've done that, it's gone on perfectly. Um, yeah. And no no issues whatsoever. You have to make sure that you do it immediately after you take it out of the water, so it still retains like that that that, that separation inside the can. But I don't know the, the science of it. I learned it from someone else for their yeah. their like hobby cheats, and I want to get it out there that when you use the white, especially for those people that use it commonly for their army, that there is a way to improve the odds in your favor of having it come out smooth. Um, yeah. So you do it. You keep putting it back in the warm water between doing priming. Um, but that's that's worked for my death guard. My death guard came out perfectly using that method. There's no powderiness or anything to them. Um, but I don't use them on my empire stuff because I don't need to because I don't do any really bright colors. Yeah. Um, which that might be helpful, and I hope it gets out there to like those night haunt players and stuff who do their, their their ethereal washes and stuff like that. Because um, I, I know it. You want to keep them kind of smooth and if you have imperfections it really stands out on those models so yeah yeah but um yeah that's pretty much how i do priming i stick it on a stick i go out i put a face mask on uh, depending on how volatile it is like when i do varnishing i'll put glasses on and stuff like that and i'll wear gloves um so i can turn around the models on the on the stick and that yeah and then i bring them inside i put them under a box so no hair or anything sticks to them um, and then i leave it for about 24 hours for the um the primer to adhere to the model,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, and then I go back later and I cover up, I fix up any p- places I miss with the there uh the, the can with a, a brush.
0: Okay, yeah, so you just do some touch ups after. Yeah, me yeah.
1: too. Yeah, yeah, I'm not scared to do any of the um additional like intricacies uh, or any like detail focuses to make it perfect for when I have to paint it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Cool.
1: So um, then You've Sorry. got it
2: primed. So, yep. do you then do any kind of initial highlighting, like pre-shading, almost, um, yep. before you start putting layer paints down?
1: So, I won't even I won't even put the base paints on yet. So, I won't even be painting yet. I'll what I'll do is I'll I'll do my magnets on my bases.
2: Okay.
1: So now that the model's protected, I'll either I either put the magnets on before I do the models on the bases. So at the very start, just like the twenty-five mil bases, bone cells, or I'll do it just after I've primed them. Um depending on how I feel. But it it's literally I use a hot glue gun um for my my um my magnets. Um so I I put it on the base, I'll put a bit of water on my finger, I'll pick up the magnet and I'll stick it in there and I'll smooth over the glue. Um, you have to be careful you don't burn yourself. My fingers got used to it now. But yeah that's you will never get the magnet. The magnet will never shoot out of that hot glue. Because it's literally adhered to the base, like bonded to it. So I do that, and then I also put the washers um, around those. So I've got circular washers that go on the twenty-five mil bases for um, for the banners, so they don't tip over all the time. Give them a bit more um, weight. Yeah, yeah, give them more weight. Yeah. Mm. Um. So I stick four point five millimeter magnets on all my twenty-five mil bases, and then I stick like the larger five and six mil ones on my um, centerpiece models. Um. And they keep them on my magnet tray, um, on my tray that I got inspired by Chris's ones to make, um, which I keep all my unpainted models in. Um, And then I've got a uh, battle foam pack as well, which I got just before CanCon, thank God, Um, (laughs) because I would have gone insane carrying a big box around. And uh, they all just, everything's magnetized onto that. So it's easy to carry around. And they sit inside their movement trays, magnetized to the, the magna racks in that, so yeah, I make sure everything's magne- magnetized now because it's just so much easier to transport the army. Um, yeah, I, saw a lot of, I saw a few of
0: those around at Cancun actually. Yeah,
1: yeah, but I would recommend investing in a hot glue gun. They're not expensive, and it's such a good way of putting them in. I know Chris you use you use green stuff. I do, um, but not- it,
2: the the, I I think I need you to show me how you do the hot yep. glue gun because it it's it does sound interesting, and the the thing with green stuff is. After a while, they the, the green stuff tends to kind of snap off, and you mm-hmm. do have to do the old replacement. But yeah. I know you've said that it never ever comes off with the, no. the hot glue gun, and I have a hot glue gun at home. So, yeah. um, but I don't I don't really use it. It's more used for yeah. um, kind of cosplay type stuff, using yeah. it for um, foam and things like that. But yeah. um, I'd be quite keen to. Yeah, I think it's something I need you to to show me one time. Um, well, I might do you, a- you mentioned water. Before, yeah yeah I think about putting it in water, um yeah. which I can't quite get my head around so oh,
1: you, you put the um so what you do is you, you put the hot glue in the center of this 25 mil base or whatever base it is, then you you have the magnet magnets arrayed in front of you already, polarized side up so they they're correct and they don't clash with other ones. You put the water on your finger and you you put the magnet on the, uh, on your finger and you push it into the glue, and then you smooth it out with your hand with your finger.
0: So it's just like a buffer. Like yeah, wind. it's
1: a buffer, yeah. It just, yeah. So you don't burn yourself. It just so you don't burn yourself, burn. yeah.
0: help helps smooth
1: it out. Yeah, there's probably a better way of doing it, but that's the way I've got used to, to doing it with the hot glue gun. Um, the other thing too is you know how when you put magnets in bases and sometimes they're too far away from the um, the tray they're sitting on and they don't sit correctly. What you do yeah. is when you when it's still wet, you put it – I've got a little metal panel next to me with all my paints on it. I stick it on that and it draws the magnet to the bottom but it'll it'll create a buffer with glue between it, so it'll stay in the middle, but it'll be further towards the bottom. So you can use... Yeah. So it slowly draws it down. Um, And then if it goes too far down, you just push it down with your finger so it sits flush. Um, The the base sits flush with the table. So it's like these little tricks. Um, Yeah. yeah, I saw a guy doing it on uh, YouTube, and it was probably like about six years ago. He was doing it with Warhammer Fantasy, and um, I just added my own little things to make it easier, or like make it how I want it um, with the, you know, the magnet closer to the, the the metal base and stuff like that. So it sticks better and it's the things you learn. Um, I've done it with how many models now? Uh, I'm talking about like 300 models have magnets on them. So um, it just makes life easier. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And it's actually a really smart idea to do it after you've assembled the models, but before painting them, because it's quite a, I know from doing it the way I've done them anyways, it's, it's quite a kind of touch intensive yeah. um, it, uh, exercise in terms of magnetizing models. You need to mm-hmm. be able to get a good grip on the models and turn them over and stuff like that. So if you're painting, um, especially to high detail, and you don't really want to get finger, mm-hmm. like finger marks and fingers all over your, your paintwork yeah. to rub off layers of paint that you've just spent hours doing, doing it at that earlier stage is actually probably a really smart Way yep. of doing it, whereas I know I get the <laughs> army done and then go, "Oh crap, I need to magnetize all of these." <laughs> um, and my painting doesn't matter about rubbing paint off because yep. me, but you like to that level, it's yeah, it's smart to do at that stage.
1: Yeah, it, it's okay. Um, we'll come to it later. It's like when when I varnish stuff too, it doesn't matter magnetizing it. Like I can put my fingers all over my models, um, Cheeto fingers, and I can just put them under water <laughs> and wash them because they've got two layers of varnish on them. Um, which people wouldn't know looking at them, um, because I go back and I put the gloss varnish over the weapons and all that uh, with a brush. Um, but that, that, yeah, we'll we'll come to that later um, yeah. about how that works um, and We're only up
0: to the priming stage at the moment.
1: Oh yeah, I know. Yeah. So <laughs> this is why my army took four years to paint. Took um,
0: four years to tell us as well. I think.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> the priming is pretty easy. Uh, the the base, I do all the base colors at once on the model. Um, yeah. I work out, I've got a little book that I write down the recipes I use. Um, so if I have to add to the unit. Um, so I do all those at once, which is besides the uh, mold line scraping, is probably the worst bit of the whole model I hate. Yeah. Like, I hate doing base colors. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even as a painter, like, I just, I don't think any painter likes doing the base colors. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty self-explanatory. I just put all the base colors. I've got, I use all GW. I've got a few Vallejo, but okay. yeah. I check the base down, the colors down based off the the art from the book or whatever I'm looking at.
0: Yep.
2: And um, when you say, you say you write down the recipes, are you yep. mixing paints or you just mean you're literally writing down the name of the paint for the base?
1: Um, I am mixing paints for the, like, uh, if I do blending. But most of the time it's just pretty standard, you know, like Mephiston Red, you know, The Wash, this and that and whatever i use to get gen, generate that kind of um, um like look red. yeah yeah okay. or red or like dirty red or stuff like that i'll yeah. i'll experiment with stuff depending on um what i'm looking at um then i'll do the washes this is probably the best like this this informs the rest of my my painting is once i get the washes on i get excited because i get to see the details pop out yeah. um and i'm like yeah i can actually see that it's actually coming together now yeah um and then this is probably the the stage that takes me the longest is the layers and the uh the the highlights um cuz if i'm doing a character piece i will go to the nth degree for highlights like i will I i'll do like two or three highlights to make something really pop yeah. and uh i look at the materials so i depend on what is on the, the model and what material that is so say <laughs> this is where my law in informs my hobby. So if it's a shield and the guy's been around for ages and he's a veteran, that shield has to be like super uh, worn but it has to be has yeah. to have like extreme highlights on it because he's been hitting it on walls and scraping it and stuff like that. So I do I keep doing highlights until I've, it looks the the way I want to or I keep doing layers until it looks the way I want to. Yeah. Um, so they got, like, a dirty cloth. I will do, for instance, Miss Fist on Red and then Wild Rider. Then I'll do an Agrax wash with Seraph and Sepia, like, splodges on it. And yeah. then I'll do a highlight to make it look like it's a dirty cloth and stuff like that. Yeah. So I, I I try to get into the head. It may seem, like, super nerdy and super weird, but I try to get into the head of, like, the soldier and what he's doing <laughs> and what, like, where he's from and and that kind of thing. So, no,
0: It's nothing weird about that. I mate mean, it's it's... Quite- <laughs> it's the it's
1: the yeah. next level it's, <laughs> yeah it's like yeah. oh what is he what is he using that cloth for, or why is he yeah. what's he using that dagger for? you know it could be his cheese dagger, might not be a dagger he stabs people with, yeah,
0: you know? <laughs> yeah, it's his
1: butter knife or whatever it's his butter knife, yeah, yeah, so <laughs> um yeah, and then that's like changing the skin tones up and stuff like that, you know, some are tan, some are uh, alabaster white and stuff like that, so yeah. I'm doing that while I'm painting, like, with the base layers. I'm going, okay, what's this dude's story pretty much?
0: Yeah, living out his life as you paint
1: him. Yeah. (laughs) Like those lines on his face are where he's, you know, he's worried about his kids and, you know, and his soldiers pay going towards him every month. (laughs) But I create these stories, like, when I play games too, to to make people feel bad, you know, about killing swathes of base humans. I tell them, (laughs) you know, how's he going to support his family now that you've killed him and... (laughs) <laughs> you know his family will. You know, all the he's a uh, he's a philanthropist, and you know he's supporting this or uh, this, orf- this orphanage in Altdorf, and now all those kids will starve, and you know <laughs> end up like <laughs> all these penny pinches oh, on the streets of Altdorf and stuff like that. Yeah, your
2: opponent just says, oh, "I'm going to cast Curse of Years," and yeah, every, yeah. Time they, every time they roll a six, you're like,
1: "Poor Johann, <laughs> poor Ludwig!" <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. I did to Danny Carroll like with his free guild, and I thought he would care, but he just didn't care. He just ha- was happily killing dudes left, right, and centre, just just, mur- just murder. Um, but yeah, so the
0: wars are brutal.
1: <laughs> yeah, so that's why I find it hard to like explain my painting because I I I change things up as I go as well, like I, depending on how I feel and if it looks right or it doesn't. Yeah. Um. Uh. I used to be about the method, but now I'm about the touchy feely. You know how I'm feeling at the time with regards to the, how it's coming along and if it's it yeah. reflects the artwork or what my perception in my head of that unit should be.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Okay. A yeah. few few quick kind of quick tips. Um thinning your paints. I'm assuming you thin paints. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I put what do, a
2: what do you use to thin your paints?
1: Well I use Lamium Medium and I've got some other thinners. And I just put it on my wet palette. So I use a wet palette. Um, I love it. Um, and I use uh, for homemade or bought? It's a homemade one, yeah. So I've got a Systema like Tupperware top that I put it in. Um, and then to transport it, you just put the the Tupperware top on top of it and then, then carry it around. Um, oh, so it's like a
0: chucks for the water?
1: Yeah, it's a chuck's for the and people have had trouble with uh mold and stuff, but I've got no issues with that. It seems to work fine. Um, just um, grease proof yeah. over the top. Yep. Yeah. So when I change yeah. my um my palette out, i I've got a template uh, to cut out the, um, the shape of the wet palette um, baking paper. Um, I put it on top and then I do it every night when I'm painting. I'll go out, I'll cover it in water, just enough water to make it wet. And then I'll put it in there and let it soak in overnight. So when I come back, it's like completely ready to paint on. Yeah, um, and
0: the paint's still
1: wet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and then each, each yeah, in each painting section, uh, uh session, I will put a dob of Lamia medium or a thinner on there, and I'll just draw from that, and thin my paint. So I've got to the point where I can look at it and go, that's the right consistency. So I just do that. I just dob, uh, dob my um my brush in that, and and add it to whatever paint I'm doing. Um, yeah, and it's got a high tension, so it, it doesn't tend to like break apart and stuff like that, or or take the paint each time you, you're putting it in. So yeah, I, I thin everything. Everything's thinned. Um I use the airbrush paints as well. Um for my like centerpiece models, so I get real thin layers. Um yeah. whereas for my my uh, line troops i I use just the straight out of the bottle thinned down uh normal GW paints or Vallejo. Um but everything, yeah, everything base layered is is base painted is uh is thinned. Um and I use Brushes I use, um, I use pretty, I use the base like GW, like small brushes and stuff like that for the the base colors. Um, and then for highlights and layering, I use, um, Windsor and Newton, um, series sevens, uh, and I've got some, uh, Raphael, um, so, um, what are they, uh, the horse hair brushes, whatever they are. Um, I use those as well. Sable. Yeah. Sable brushes. Um which they get a lot of use. I tend to go through a lot of those. Yeah. <laughs> At least, you know, um, I just call them good brushes, but yeah. So it's pretty, yeah, cool. pretty much what I do. Yeah. And then brush care, like what do you,
2: oh, yeah. um, do you rinse in water? How are you cleaning? Uh,
1: so I've got a pretty rigorous one. I, um, first off, I tip, uh, I'll dab the brush in terpenoid, um, which is for, uh, It'd for acrylics or oils. Um, that pretty much, I use that to, instead of water. And then I'll rub that in the uh, the brush soap, um, which, what brand is that again? Um,
0: uh, it's, it's the Master's Brush Cleaner.
1: Master's, yeah. So I use that and then I will massage the, the brush head to make sure it gets in there, gets into the ferrule and all that and gets all the paint off it, um, especially with paints like Mephiston Red and that who kind of stick. Yeah, uh, And then I'll... I'll wash it in the water and then I'll draw it over the, uh, over the bit of a cloth, um, to, to draw all the, the terpenoid out and stuff like that. Because, uh, if you leave terpenoid in the brush head and then you go to put it into a paint, it breaks the acrylic paint up because it's, it breaks down oils as well. Like a, like a turpentine and stuff like that. It's not as Mm. it's, it's more careful on your brush. It's more gentle on your brush than, um, than turpentine. Um, or methylated spirits, yeah. So, um, yeah, you have to get all of it out, otherwise it'll it'll ruin your your paint job as well. Yeah, um, but it cleans the brush super well and makes them last for forever. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I found the the master's brush cleaner and uh, and preserve. It's like this little sort of tan tub you can get from most good hobby um, outlets. Yeah. But, um, I find I just yeah I just do that massage it through and then just rinse it with water. I haven't thought of mm-hmm.
1: um is it terpenade, terpenoid? Terpenoid, yeah. Odorless terpenoid, yeah, terpenoid, they call it. Yeah, right. uh, all all art stores kind of have it. Um, it comes in. There's a green one, which is like a, um, one that's nicer to the environment and won't won't make you high. And then there's a the blue one, uh, which is odorless, but it if you sniff it, it will kill brain cells. Um, <laughs> cool. But they, they, I would recommend those. I've used them for nearly two years now, and uh, brushes are. My brushes are still going strong. From still that. As good as the days you got them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially uh, the Windsor and Newton. Um, the Raphael ones—they're uh, not as good as the Windsor and Newton. Um, yeah, I've got some Windsor and Newton as well. But, but um, the—do
0: you do much dry brushing?
1: I do targeted dry brushing. Uh, yeah. So my my scenery—I like it for the uh, the texture you can get. So I do it on like timber and stuff. Yeah. Um, yep. You get really good texture. Like I uh, I told you about that. That uh, recipe from the the white dwarf with the the timber, yeah, for aged um, timber, yeah, yeah, for aged timber. It's like for Nurgle blood bowl. Um, that thing dry brushed. I did it on my crates that I took to Cancon that my crossbowmen sit behind. Yeah, it it does an awesome texture for, for timber. Yeah, because um, those crates have got no timber detail on them. Um, it just creates it. It looks like aged timber. So um, I'll be using more of that recipe, but. Yeah, I do a little bit of targeted dry brushing, especially on terrain and and stuff like that, which I think everyone does. Yeah. Um, I rarely do dry brushing on um, on models. Um, my Carl Franz, the it looks like blending, but it's actually light dry brushing with a wash over it, like multiple thin washes. It on, 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 yeah, on the feathers. Yeah, on the feathers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I'm still not in my. It seems weird. I'm not 100 percent comfortable with blending. Um, because my army doesn't have a lot of it. They yeah. kind of don't need to do it, um, but I've been experimenting with it in different uh, like shade spy warbands and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I, I do use it a little bit, but not a lot. Yeah. A lot of it's layering right up to highlighting. Um, that that kind of I highlight I can't try to highlight everything.
0: <laughs> well, that that fine layering and all those um, lots of thin coats, as yeah, like and talks about is a form of of blending um, i was gonna say
2: that's yeah you, your paint yeah your models are blended you're just not they're not wet yeah. blended yeah. Yeah, yeah just every it's a new layer then slightly different color new yeah. layer slightly to the edge mm. so you are blending flat and wide surfaces you just yes. not wet ble- you're not wet blending in one brush stroke going no this is no. the color of my paint
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. you're 100 percent right yeah i don't I don't know. It's just my definition of blending is like when you see like those those pinks all the way up to blues and stuff like that, which yeah, is wet yeah. blending. Um And I don't see mine as blending. I th- I see my stuff quite flat, but you know, I don't know. It's it, it's just the way I see it. I don't see it as blending. It's
0: just a technique you haven't had had to um, employ for this. Exactly. So yeah, it's all yeah all, all good. Maybe later. Maybe when you get move on to your um, nogle stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you... Sorry.
2: I was just going to say, you obviously you you do a lot of highlighting um, yeah. on pretty much everything. Um, so I'm assuming most of it's edge highlighting. Do you use the edge paints at all?
1: Yeah, I, I do. I also mix like white with the other um, layer paints um, to make yeah. them make those into their own ones because some of those those highlight paints don't match yeah. the recipes like that I'm using. So you have to ma- kind of make your own. So that's where like the the um, Mixing paints was is coming in from what you were saying before, um, no, which I'm curious. I yeah. What what white do you use? Is it a GW white? No, no. I Didn't hate white so. scar. Uh, Correct. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Vallejo is good yeah. for whites. Yeah, James got me onto Vallejo flat white, and uh, everything I've done so far um, is using that white. Like I I couldn't think of painting the Luminarch without that white. If if I was using white scar. Um, yeah I probably would have sent the Luminarch into orbit to be honest <laughs> because I would have gone insane painting a a unit like that with the the white scar white scar is horrendous uh, yeah and I have no qualms about saying that i think every it's the whites from g w seem to be terrible um yeah the pigment the pigment on the Vallejo one's awesome, and you can yeah. even straight out of the the pot it's it's awesome yeah and you can thin it down and it it creates such a uh, a smooth layer. Um, cause I, I glaze with the white to get real smooth cloth. Um, yeah. 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 Okay.
2: Yeah. I use a P3 white. Um, I think cause I had a, the one white I had that was a Vallejo white, it was an air, air paint. So I found yeah. it was a bit, it was a bit too thin. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it wasn't really working, but, yeah, I, I found a P3 white, but, yeah, I, I steer clear of GW white. If I have to use it, if I'm using a GW paint and I want white or something to mix a lighter color, I will usually use, um, I used to use pallid witch flesh, but now I use and grey because <laughs> um, Dan Brewer actually told me Ulthuin grey is actually Corax white. So white, no, yeah. the Corax white spray is actually and grey. Yeah, no. Because um, it's
1: got a it's got a bluey tinge to it, the uh, Corax white, so and so does Altham Gray, um, but the, the sad thing is, is like Celestra Gray is awesome, goes on really nice. Yeah. Altham Gray okay, you can work with it a bit. Pallid Witch Flesh is good, Racker Flesh is good, yeah. And you got sure. White Scar, and it's just like, ugh, yeah, you know? like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like all the other think- light colors aren't too bad, but.
0: Are you, um, do I know we've talked about in the past, but uh, are you still sort of thinking about gradually transitioning all your paints over to Vallejo or into or just sort of pick and choose ones that work well for you and sort of incorporate into your um into your painting? Like, or you you just kind of keep buying GW paints or yeah, expand your horizons. Um, what's your thoughts on, on all that sort of stuff?
1: I think I'm going to stick to GW for certain paints, like Raka, Flesh, yeah. Celestra Grey. I think
0: With something that's good, that if it's yeah. good, no need to change it. Yeah. Like
1: your, your technical paints, like Chris was saying before, uh, Blood for the Blood, Gordon, uh, Nicolet Oxide, Nicolac Oxide, and all that kind of stuff. I'll stick with those. But there's other colours, I think. Um, and I've already done it in the past, the problem colours. Yeah. Problem, um, you know, like uh, Screaming Skull and stuff. I'm trying other other brands. Um, and I've done that with my metals too. The pigments seem to be—it's—it's it's pretty bad for GW uh, metals. Um, so I've been going to like AK Interactive for like bolt gun metal and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, for bronzes, and then uh, I've been using the airbrush metals as well for from GW, which you need multiple layers, but the, it's a lot smoother than your um than your your standard like lead Belcher and like yeah. retributed gold and stuff. Which it's kind of a mixed bag whether you get a really good. Paint in that pot sometimes it just goes on horribly and it's real claggy and then sometimes it's awesome and like i've got a lead belcher at the moment just goes on beautifully and i don't have to use the airbrush one but yes that's the thing is the mixed bag with gw paints sometimes it's good sometimes it's bad yeah yeah yeah
2: okay so you so we've talked about kind of painting up all the models um what do you do in terms of your basing and how you what paints and do you use anything like pigments or anything like that for basing?
1: So I don't use any pigments. I go really simple scheme for my basing. Um, I, I I do the basing obviously before the priming. Um, but then uh, for painting, it's it's literally just mechanicus standard grey with uh, a wash of Nolan oil, dry brush uh, Carrick stone, and then screaming a very light dry brush of scheme, screaming skull. Um, and then I pick out. The like the broken shields, the broken swords, the bottles, and all that on the base, and kind of make that the, the focus with the model. That's why like, they got the brighter colors. I wanted a, a darker base so it brings out the color of the army, um, yeah, like a backboard. Sort yeah. Of so that, yeah, that basing is just pretty much from the original Age of Sigmar painting guide uh, in, in the back there. That's, <laughs> that's all it is. Um, so when people yeah. say, like, Oh, that's awesome basing, it's like, it's not really not, nice. it's just very really simple. Um, because the base is secondary to the model, um, you can have cool stuff on it and it can tell a story, but it need it can't be it can't be dominating. Yeah, yeah. So the thing yeah. I find re- the thing I
2: find really interesting about yours is your base rims are not black, and nope. gen- generally that's something that I'm I'm all, I'm a ninety five percent proponent of black base rims for any army. <laughs> um, because of framing but yours yours works um, because it makes it feel like sandy desert even though you've actually got like a gray kind of stone type basing on yeah. top of that um could, was that obviously it was a conscious decision to yeah. to use that kind of basing can you talk us through how why you decided not to use a black base room and you went with the kind of yellowy
1: sandy color i just like the steel legion drab color for the bases that's literally it like i <laughs> yeah i just like i like that it's like i looked at um blight, dinge and and black and i was like nah it's too dark it um it it brings down the whole model um so i went with steel legion drab because i just like the brighter color it makes them stick out a bit more yeah. and it's like a it's an earthy tone it's a natural tone yeah.
0: um yeah i used to use steel legion drab for my rims um especially my old batonian army still actually has that that i, I flick to um to dried bark from all my rims, just went a little yeah. bit darker, shade darker, but
1: yeah. Can the Britannians be- are a bright army. Like, yeah, we well, work
0: with them, so but um, yeah. I think it works better with my death stuff. So uh, we, yeah. we use dried bark for the death stuff, but
1: mm. yeah, yeah. I can see like black and like um dark greys for like corn armies and stuff like that, uh, where like black and, and dark colors complement like bright reds and that kind of thing. Can we like, even- um, go back to goblin green? We won't talk about that if there's one thing I will never take from old hammer is goblin green bases. They are horrendous. And you like, I will take a flamethrower to any army that has goblin green bases, because that is disgusting. Why would you do that to yourself? Nostalgia. Nah, it's not nah. that kind of fuzzy,
2: fuzzy felt basic. Oh,
0: you watch what's you watch people who listen to this are gonna go,
1: haha. I know what I mean. <laughs> trigger me with <laughs> goblin <trigger> green bases. <laughs> I've got, got some old school army. <laughs> I'll concede. I've got some old school plastic dragons of goblin green basing that one of my <laughs> friend, one of my friends painted. You know what you ago. have to do, Chris. You know what you have to do. Flamethrower? Get that no, get that steel legion drive out and nah.
2: <laughs> it'll be black. it'll be black.
1: Okay. Um, I'm happy with that. I can take that. But
2: yeah. No, that's interesting that you said um, you said so you just like the color, but actually it was because from an overall looking at the model in the army perspective, you felt it would be too dark
1: yeah. because,
2: and is that maybe because you, you've said that your army is quite drab in terms yeah. of your, pain, your painting style. You want them to be dirty and that's how mm. they're from. So the models are maybe darker. They're not, although you're edge highlighting everything, you're not highlighting it to make it bright. No. So by painting the, Base rims, kind of a lighter sandy color. You're almost tricking the eye that the models are brighter overall than they are.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like it's, yeah. You imagine using a black, it would just, it would just like I don't know. To me, it just would just seem like a clump of shadow because it'd be so the 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 colors are so muted compared to like the the brighter colors because of the such fine um, highlights and that kind of thing. So if I had dark color, yeah, you just it would just look like a a blob of shadow pretty much because it was it'd be so dark um and it it brings like it's it's not a focal point it brings you to the the base to look up at the model so you go oh yeah tan and then you look up and then it's the model um yeah. with like their yellow shields or their red crossbows or you know whatever um um striking color i've put on there to kind of like draw the eye um because the whole army's got red across everything that's the color that yeah, everyone talks about the color that ties in the army, yeah. All my units have got red in there somewhere, so it ties the whole army in, um, and then they've got spot colors that make the, the unit interesting. Like the swords of Ulrich are blue, the Wissenland crossbowmen have bright red crossbows and have got like this muted gray and white to contrast against that. The um, the Avalanche greatswords are yellow with like green red feathers and stuff like that, so. Yeah, you know, it's everything's contrasting. Bring it all together. Then the bases tie the whole army together because it's so disparate and like everything's from a different section of the world. Like the empire, they have to be tied together some way, and it's by the red yep. bits across the whole army and the bases basing. with the tan color. Yeah, yeah.
2: So interesting. Obviously, you're saying obviously the basing is really important to tie the whole army together. Yeah. So with from a gaming standpoint with allies and things like that, like your list that you took can Cancon has a night encounter in would mm-hmm. you, I'm assuming he's painted in the same scheme, the same basing as the rest of the army yep. would, does that mean that you would, if you did a stormcast army, are you now committed to doing the same basing across the stormcast yep. army or would you just paint up a different encounter if you wanted to change it? No,
1: I would stick with the, 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 the tan like uh, base rims. Um, because I think the hallowed knights ones look uh look good with those bases as well. So same with my nurgle, my nurgle will be the same. Um I, I just like the color for its earthy tone um and then like I gave the reasons that it it makes a drab model look brighter. I think the the, the same thing for um nurgle stuff because I'll be I will painting my nurgle very similar to what I paint my empire. So it'll be very drab, very dark um very earthy yeah. tones and that kind of thing. So yeah. I don't. I won't be painting any black or grey vases. I don't see in the future, uh, except for my season two night vault stuff, which will be on um scaven blight bases because they're a different season of um of shadespire. So that's probably the only things I'll change. Um, all my death guard are on tan bases. Like everything's on tan bases. Um, yeah.
0: Um, you've painted all of the night, all the night haunt. No, not night haunt. The uh, night vault Sh- and um shadespire warbands, haven't you?
1: I've painted all the shades by I haven't done the night vault, because um, I've got the free guild bug now. So yeah. they were supposed to be next, but now I'm painting up more free guild. So yeah. now he's now he's had his first taste of competitive games yeah. He's uh, he knows what he needs to do. I need I need um I need two Hellstorm rocket batteries, so nice. Nah. <laughs> but yeah. Battle so. Mage on Griffin? Yeah, I've got another Griffin there, so I've got the one I built. You know, recently, and then I've got another one in a box which I want to do the Amber Battle Mage, um, and I want to try him out in a list as well as a two-headed uh, Griffin. <laughs> yeah, as a utility piece. It's um, Phoenix. I played against one of those, and I'm no. <laughs> <laughs> um, um,
0: should we talk about your games at KingCon?
1: Uh, I was just going to say, should we
2: just finish? The I'll finish last, up. Yeah, the last stage you do with all your models. You obviously mentioned before in terms of varnishing them
1: all. Yeah. So, so I, I used uh, through that. Okay. Yeah, so I use Tester's Dull Coat. Um, I use a gloss and then um, for initial layer over the model. And then I use a um, matte finish uh, to the, protect the model. So that keeps Cheeto fingers uh, off them. Uh, it also seals in the parts. So if I drop them, I've had it a few times where I've dropped stuff, it just doesn't shatter and fall apart. Um, and then uh, I go back after the matte coat's done and I uh, gloss up any, like, metallic areas or, like, uh, gore and stuff like that that needs to be done and I uh, add, like, blood for the blood god or um, typhus corrosion or anything else that needs – that would be affected by the varnish that yeah. would dull it down too much um, to liven it up a bit again. Do you varnish before you put the tufts on as well? No. no. I, I do the tufts after, after that. Yeah. Um, that's yeah, a, and the final touch. Yeah. That's the the toughs are always the final touch. So um then they they get put on their display uh, on their um movement trays, which I've made. I've got display movement trays. So I've got like a uh, Litco ones that are MDF and I've based them up the same as my army and they yeah. sit in the cabinet on those um kind of lined up like they would be in Warhammer Fantasy um which I can actually use those trays to play Warhammer Fantasy with the army as well. Um, yeah. So, and that's the final step is, yeah, Tufts and the the movement tray. And they go in the cabinet um, until they brought out to play in, like, CanCon or something like that. Or, yeah. That's cool. pretty much it. So
2: you're, so you're painting on um, your varnish. You're not using, like, a spray varnish or anything. You're painting it on by hand. Yeah, for um, the
1: gloss, yeah.
2: What brushes are you using and then how are you kind of cleaning them? Because, obviously, I know varnish is a, Big thing for killing a brush. So, yeah. and it sounds like if you're picking out individual details, you might be doing quite kind of detailed work with that varnish. Mm-hmm. So, just curious to know what sort of brushes and stuff and brush care you're using with the varnish because yeah. it's a much more corrosive kind of chemical.
1: Yeah, um, I use the same as what I use for normal brushes for paints. Um, that that brush cleaner and the terpenoid team seems to put like get rid of it. Um, yeah, I use old. Brushes like uh, small detail brushes and that for the that are um, a bit more worn out, but they've still got a nice tip on them that I can do that stuff. You don't actually need a, a really nice tip, you just need to be able to put it on the area um, for where it's it can be seen. Um, and then I use a larger brush, I use different brushes depending on what I'm putting the varnish on. So if it's a sword, I'll use a bigger brush because I don't really care. Um, and then for details, I'll use the smaller detail brush. And I'll, I'll clean those more thoroughly so I can use them again. Um, it's all about, yeah, the, it's like an airbrush. You need to keep care of those brushes, especially the the varnish ones. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Cool. Right, That's a pretty awesome overview of your kind of painting and everything. Should we take a, another quick break and then maybe come back and we can go through some of your gaming experience with the Army at yep. CanCon?
1: Yeah, no worries. Cool. Sounds good
0: okay now we are back uh we're getting ready to talk about Brant's uh gaming experiences at um cancon so um brent run us through what how what, game one and um how'd you go
1: uh so game one i played against a chap called sean uh hey uh playing vanguard auxiliary chamber um in three places of power uh it was a major loss uh, <laughs> he surgically pulled me apart which was it was interesting uh he pretty much these long strides killed off uh, my damage dealers my crossbowmen um which is smart uh he played his army awesomely and uh as expected i played woefully because i hadn't faced that before and i was still getting used to my army um so, so how, many
2: practice, how many practice games did you actually have in the lead-up to CanCon?
1: Three. So one against James and then two against – it was all death armies. So I played against the Tomb Kings and two Legions and a Gash. Um, so we, went we
0: went to Jolt Games um, yeah. a couple of weeks before CanCon for like a CanCon practice day. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so we we were there sort of like hoping to play each other. We ended up just playing other people.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was did, awesome though. We but, did um, practicing at my house, so. Yeah. He's a uh, cool dude uh a jolt by two daves um yeah (laughs) awesome to talk to um but yeah so i only had three games with a 2000 this this army um i've only actually before can i only had what maybe five games of age of sigma two at a thousand and three at two thousand yeah just like home games with
0: uh, at my place pretty much yeah.
1: yeah and james will tell you how uncomfortable i felt playing with Unpainted models uh, <laughs> against him, even at a thousand points. But um, that's beside the point. So yeah, I had a major loss against Vanguard. Uh, his his Vanguard uh, is the Raptors that are on foot. Oh no, the who are the dudes on foot? The uh, hunters. Hunters. They got behind me. I didn't. I didn't close off my back line, So he just brought them in and and pretty much smacked up my Luminarch and like a heap of other stuff. Um, as soon as I did it, my deployment, I knew I had done the wrong thing. Um, so I've learnt from that um but he was an awesome guy i caught up with him quite a few times during the the tournament and t- and talked to him um we had a really fun game he had a beautifully painted uh, vanguard army it was all james saw it. it was all like trees and like really bright bases and stuff like that um and like a silvery blue um um stormcast he brought down the uh the uh, lords uh celestine is it the uh, not the lord celestine the uh the prime yeah yeah, he smashed me up good. Um, yeah. He killed Carl Franz, which was ironic, but, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, a major why, loss in that game. Why, why is that ironic, Brad? Because uh, Carl Franz got killed by Carl Franz, <laughs> but that um, <laughs> no, was a good – I had a, a great game against him, even though I got smashed. Uh, he was an awesome opponent. He let me take back a few things and uh, – and I'll say that, I'll preface that before we go on the rest, is that the guys, every guy I played was awesome because they understood the situation I was in being in my first tournament um, and were were really accommodating. Uh, so I thought I was playing quite slow, but um, they're were, they were all awesome guys. Um, next game I played was Connor Armstrong with his spike gits. Um, I learned to hate fanatics. Uh, sorry, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I pretty much that was in um Better Part of Valor. Um yeah, he I had a major loss in that too. <laughs> um, sensing
2: a theme here. Yeah. He's got uh,
1: goblin
0: goblin stomped. <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay. They were really nicely painted too. Um blocked. Stabbed in the knees. <laughs> yeah, lots of um lots of buffs and debuffs and, and the moon and, and <laughs> all that. It was funny, just like I couldn't play seriously because of the names of everything, so it put me <laughs> off. It, that put me off my game. It's an effective tactic. Um, and the third game for that that day was uh, Danny Carroll, uh, the only other free guild list there. So it was a free guild off. Um, this was my most. This is my favorite game. Um, it was um, Border War, which was ironic. We called it a civil war um, between <laughs> the two free peoples.
0: Epic scenario.
1: <laughs> yeah. He took uh, the Free Guild Regiment. Um, so he took a, a suboptimal list because it's 210 points for that battalion. And you have to take one of pretty much each of the Free People's units. Um, but he played it awesomely. He was, Danny was obviously the most, the more experienced of the players um, of, of us two, um, which Chris covered in his review of order um, lists for CanCon. You know, I, I don't have a lot of experience. Uh, and that was that was really close. That was 17-17 on objective points, and uh, yeah. I I won in a minor victory on kill points.
2: Yeah, um, <laughs> I was right. Uh, I said you had the stronger list.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but he played it very well. He had um the he had a combo that I'm going to include in my my next list, which is flying the Knight of Zeros around with the Griffin mm-hmm. um, to give him re-roll ones um, because the Griffin by itself is just not. It's too swingy. Um. My one's got the hammer. he's had the sword. he had the sword of judgment as well, um so it can put it, luckily it whiffed um in my game, like it killed the the general on Griffin, but it didn't do like the you know the seventeen mortal wounds that he'd done in a previous game to a vampire lord and zombie dragon. Um, but I'll be including that in my list from now on. I'll have a a general with a sword, five attacks with the uh the sword of judgment flying around with a xeros and another griffin um making everyone's life hell hopefully so <laughs> are you going to model your um model your Zeros on the gyro is it? yeah copter, just like danny um yeah he he uh inspired me to make a zerocopter 2 uh electric <laughs> okay.
0: just for people so. who haven't seen the um the models it's so uh, it's a it's a gyrocopter with the Zeros sort of um lantern sort of underneath it kind of thing. <laughs> like, yeah it's just like this little gyrocopter going around with the lantern <laughs>
1: So ridiculous. It's pretty uh, great, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But his Griffin beat my Griffin in that battle. Um, so he won the Battle of the Griffins. Uh but then my thirty crossbowmen shot the uh the Griffin, the Griffin off, so he couldn't weather all those attacks. Um and then on the left flank, that was on the right flank, on the left flank it was two units of demigriffs. Um and this is where we can talk about the demigriffs not doing anything for nearly five turns. Uh yeah. They were just. We called it. Danny called it the pillow fight because they they spent four turns doing nothing to each other. <laughs> um, but mine mine won in the end. My Royal Altdorf Griffites, But it was such a pointless flank. It was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. They just um staying
0: around looking beautiful.
1: Yeah, pretty much. They. <laughs> it was so so at Each other, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Then. We pretty much uh, kept trying to shoot at each other. He had two units of handgunners with Hockland long rifles that, you know, they did a little bit of damage, but they, they weren't that uh, reliable. Um, yeah, we kind of, like, castled up in two ends of the board and then maneuvered with our, with our like, Demigriffs. And uh, he had Outriders and Pistoliers because um, he had to have them in the list. And then uh, his Griffin with the Azeros. Um, I think he kind of put it out of position. It flew, like, behind his lines and didn't really do much for the battle. Um, until the end where it took out the griffin, where it did do something. Um, but my, yeah, my griffin didn't really do much as well. It was kind of like a, a a piece to like, oh, come on, come over here. There's a griffin. Do you want to take the griffin on? You know, kind of like a, a deterrent. Um, yeah. It was actually a bit more maneuverable, that battle, than what we were expecting. We were expecting, like, if that was knife to the heart, we would have just sat at two ends looking at each other, shooting <laughs> Hockland long rifles and Luminarchs at each other for five turns. So uh,
2: you'd have come off better there because you'd have the, the, uh, the Luminarch and the Comet to drop down. So
1: yeah, the Comet did mm. quite a lot of damage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, those D3 mortal wounds within 10 inches on each model. Yeah. It's pretty evil. Um, but yeah, there was a, mi- a minor victory. Um, best free peoples at CanCon. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but Danny was awesome playing. It. Uh, yeah. Like I said, he got my best sports vote um, just because he made it enjoyable he was uh <laughs> he was uh accommodating to me being a newer player as well, um and he had a beautifully painted army um I thought he was going to win best painted uh, I thought his was the better painted one, but yeah he got he got coolest army um and that kind of thing, so I'm glad I mean, he got recognized it. for it, it yeah coolest yeah
0: coolest and then yeah,
1: yeah, and he got best Sex. second best painted, yeah. yeah, yeah, he deserved it, he'd done an awesome job, he had cool stuff like a guy drinking tea. A guy carrying a barrel of ale, like in his units, he had the Griffin that came off and like sat on his terrain piece with magnets. Um, yeah, like everything was, and he converted like the Zero Copter and all that. So, yeah, that Griffin yeah.
0: was awesome, hey. The, oh, was, that Griffin, the t- turquoise um, sort of
1: leaf, yeah. uh, not leaves <laughs> feathers, freehand <laughs> lightning bolts on its rump, and like the his rump was painted like it was like fur, like it was feathery fur on his on the rump of the the um, the Griffin um yeah yeah it was that it was an yeah, awesome right. army beautiful i um, saw the
2: photo fo- i saw the photo with them like the two griffins head to head and i was like oh wow yeah. this this is a beautiful battle like the yeah, two yeah. the two armies and yeah i saw his griffin like the blue feathers with the white stripe yep through the middle and yeah it looks really nice
0: well the yeah. um that battle got a bit of attention um for the coverage of the day too didn't it
1: yeah i'm honest wargamer yeah the the I thought they were gonna say like at the end of the day, free peoples won because that's pretty much what, what happened, you know, like we yeah, it was it was a, a great game. Yeah, easily my best there. Um so yeah, the fourth game was uh Heath Thompson and what an awesome matchup for a free peoples army. a uh, Zinch change host uh for um relocating orb. um, um I got PTSD from this game. Uh <laughs> because <laughs> The relocating orb stayed in the Zinch side the whole game, pretty much. Uh-huh. Um, so I tried to move in. I killed a lot of stuff, um, but uh, yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't do anything. He he expertly um, zoned off and um, screened uh, me, trying to get to the re- relocating orb. So yeah, that was a major loss in that one. Um, next one was uh, Jason Rahali. This is a he got my second best. Um, sports vote. Um, actually, I can't remember if it was Jason or Sean, either of those ones. Um, but that was knife to the heart and uh, free people, free people shined. I, I castled up in the corner, um, (laughs) and just sat there with everything within 12, everything within great company range, uh, great swords behind the swordsman. (laughs) Um, yeah, everything was in cover. The was in cover. It's like, come Um, at (laughs) me, yeah, everything, yeah, was, was castled up. Um, he was playing Seraphon. Um, he had croak, slan, uh, like all the spell casters. He had like units of skinks and stuff. Um, the little like uh, dog dudes as well. I forget what they're called. Uh, Razor Razodons, Yeah. They shoot um, <laughs> yeah. So I just sat back the whole, whole game. Um, I had Carl Franz on a corner screened by the demigriffs. Um, and I just waited for him. So he brought down rippodactyls the first turn. Um, he, I had my Demigryphs just outside the, uh, so just within the, uh, company support range. So when he charged with my Ripodactyls, cause of their bases, they ended up inside the, um, the great company range. So then I shot 30 crossbowmen and took off the Ripodactyls, six uni- uh, six Ripodactyls in one turn.
2: Nice. Um,
1: <laughs> so I got the, um, I got the points for that cause they have been summoned, um, pretty much. it would brought down from. Uh, the stars. Um, then next turn, I just, my turn, I just shot and like shot at the Bastillodon, took some wounds off that. I'll oh, say one shot at the one of the the priests with the Luminarch with really six damage and just took it off straight away. Um, and then took some damage to, uh, did some damage with the Bastillodon, dropped my comet down, did D3 mortal wounds to everything. Like he started to heal up and all that. Um, second turn, he brought down the Ripodactyls again with his summoning points, took them off with a crossbowman again. Um, he managed to take out one of the demigryphs, I think, and then I just consolidated the, the screen for Carl Franz. Um, yeah, and then third turn, did, he did it again, um, again, trying to get through that flank. Um, and then, uh, I, don't, I don't think, actually, I don't think in the third turn he brought him down, it was the fourth turn. Um, then he moved, like, teleported Croak off uh, over the side and stuff, and then I tried to um, get the major victory by moving the Carl Franz over, trying to take out Croak, um, and then move him over to his objective. I was about to move the Demigryphs up, but he brought in the um, the, the Dog Dudes and the Skinks, and they kind of kept my Demigryphs at bay. Um, but then it ended up in a minor victory and winning on kill points because, yeah. Um, I took off the Bastilladon and a few other things, but it was pretty – Nice. Yeah, it's a pretty boring game, but we had a lot of fun trying to shoot each other from across the the <laughs> table and, like, the Ripperdactyls and stuff like that. And uh, he hadn't played against Free Guild before, and I was getting a bit more competent with my army uh, with how yeah. it played. And it, it, it was a perfect scenario, too, for that army um, yeah. to castle up and get be covered by all its buffs because um, yeah. you got the one-up save from the general. Um, so that was covering everything as well. Uh, and the Luminarch six-up ward save. So everything was like three-up save, um, rerolling ones on the so- uh, shield units and uh, six-up ward save on the, the Luminarch. Um, next game, uh, last game was against Adam Huey and he had mixed order and uh major loss in this one in uh, focal points. Um, he played an amazing game. He had... Um, yeah, the halberdier versions of the the elves from the Spire of Dawn. The is it Phoenix Guard? Um, all the Soul masters. So yeah, with halberds. The uh, the they have um, can they shoot as well? Nah. Oh, uh,
2: like the oh, halberds is Phoenix Guard. Yeah,
1: Phoenix Guard. Yeah, they um, were they were brutal. Um, I made quite a few mistakes in this one. Um, I, I should have killed the Phoenix. Uh, he had a lord on a phoenix that was is a negative one to hit or stuff like that. Um so that was painful. I should have taken that out, but he will he'll agree that my dice rolls with the whole tournament like in that game were just horrendous. The Griffin spent two combats not hitting anything. Um even with you know, um he had Rousing Battle Cry, so plus one to hit on him, so he was like and then the negative one, so he was still threes and threes for his Great Hammer, negative two D three damage, and he whiffed those. Um, and he whiffed all his razor claws, which are the griffins like the beat stick. He whiffed all those, like that's like eight attacks. He oh, for two yeah, turns, yeah. Eight, eleven attacks missed every all of them. Because um, yeah. and that was the, the 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 phoenix was on one wound as well. Oh. Uh, yeah, he was within range of the uh, lumenarks. So he was like he was making his sixes all the time on the ward save. Um, oh, the no. I didn't. Even with um, him failing, uh, oh yeah, I didn't. I didn't cast one successful everblaze comet yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. in that game out of five turns. Oh. Um, even when he would used up his um, unbinds, so I kept rolling threes for the everblaze when it goes off on a yeah, it was a six. So six. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was that hurt because that would have done a lot of lot of damage. Um, it helped, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, he had. Um, the, the eels. So he had eels, Phoenix guard. He had a drychar, uh Lord on Phoenix, uh, a Luminarch. Um, oh, Reavers. Oh, how fun are Reavers. Um, <laughs> Elven Reavers with like, they're, they're retreating after shooting and stuff. Yeah. yeah uh, they're
2: really good.
1: They are. He, he did amazing with those. He, he tied up my flank, um, which was, it was very contested, but they, I, I, I got through them and, Almost through the in the end, but um, I, I ran out of army pretty much. He was the negative one to hit, and those those um Phoenix Guard just tore through my swordsman. Um, I like that. You've, yeah, I ran
0: out
1: of army. I ran out of <laughs> army pretty much. Yeah, uh, it was an awesome mixed order list, and uh, he was great to play with. Once again, he was very accommodating to my uh, my noob my noobness and taking uh, so long to roll like uh, sixty dice for the crossbowmen and stuff like that, but. Um. Oh, and I didn't. I don't think I won priority once as well. Uh, in that 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 game, so that was.
2: Yeah, that hurt. Sounds like.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, He played it very well, but yeah, there was. Those priorities kill you, especially when (laughs) um, I was saving up um command points for rousing battle cry and uh, hold the line in one turn, so I could just pump out like a heap of damage on the crossbows at threes to threes, uh, to hit. Um, I was going to put rousing battle cry on him to give him two, twos and threes, but uh, it didn't work out in the end. Um, I had to kind of try and consolidate my lines and hold it. But it, yeah, he's, uh, he's Phoenix Guard and the negative one to hit was a killer, just chewed through stuff. Um, oh, my Luminarch shot didn't go off. Uh, it went off once, killed a, a uh, <laughs> an elf mage, and that was it in one shot. Um, so yeah, I'm starting to learn how... Uh, swingy the army can be, and that 's kind of why i 'm building in like Knight of zeros uh, and stuff like that uh, for reroll ones. I think James knows how good reroll ones are in an army. they make everything a lot more um, consistent um, yeah so yeah um, but overall, yeah, so two minor losses uh, two minor wins and and four minor lo- uh, major losses, um, which I saw as a win uh, because i hadn 't played. Uh, a lot of games, um, and now I know how to approach those those armies that I had major losses to, and yeah. uh, most of them, yeah, were because of me. Uh, <laughs> you
0: you, like, you yeah. um like it's your first tournament. You've come out with two minor victories in like a 200 person tournament. So that's like for for a first one, that's a fantastic result, especially with a like a, a different sort of army. Yep. It's, um, so I'm happy. So, yeah. Well, well, well done, man. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, I'm, so you said earlier at the, towards the start of the show that you already have some ideas. You've written a new list of you want to get some, you're working on some new units. What yep. would you, what are you thinking of tweaking and changing it uh, up?
1: So definitely the two Griffins. Um, adding two Griffins and a Knight of Zeros, uh, 100% happening um, for mobility. And you'll probably like this. I'm thinking about taking the Demigriffs out and just having hey. the, the mobile Griffin, like the Griffin kill team pretty much. Um <laughs> what is it? You're not uh, going to put
2: in any um, any Outriders?
1: Uh, I do have them in my post-Cancon list. So I've got yeah. one unit of Avalan Rough Riders, um, so Outriders. Um, I've got a new plan for, so instead of the 40-man block, it's too unwieldy. So I'm going to have two 20-man Swordsmen. And what, what can happen then is you can trigger the Great Company twice if someone tries to t- charge on two flanks. So you sit the, the crossbowman between the two, 30, uh, two 20s. So if they charge one unit, they will get shot. If they charge the other unit, they'll get counter char- countercharged and shot potentially. So it, it gives you a chance to do double 60 shots because the, um, the stand and shoot Piper is only once a turn, um, whereas the great company, you can do it multiple times. Um, so you can do it on flanks as well. Um, Just don't go anywhere near your army. You know, yeah, thing. everyone learned about the crossbowment on the <laughs> on Well the that's
2: king. the amazing that's the amazing thing because they built in that rule. That's why I think it's so strong is that yeah. it's unless you have a very odd charging mechanic or some way yeah. of getting in that isn't in the that isn't a charge or something like that, they are guaranteed to shoot you because yep. they either get their war scroll thing if you're mm-hmm. if you end within three, or if you don't end within three, yeah. but you end within range and they're a supporting unit, then you yep. get to shoot.
1: Yeah, so, so yeah. yeah, a few of the guys like the the um, Jason with his Seraphon learnt that. He goes, okay, what can I do to not make them trigger? And, like, you can't literally do anything if you're going for those demigriffs. And then it's like you either sit there and get shot next turn, you either charge and get shot, or you charge the, the crossbow within three and they shoot with their stand and shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, problem so, with the stand and shoot is that it doesn't get the reload fire rule. You only get 30 yeah. shots, mm-hmm. whereas the great company, you get all 60 Um shots onto that target. Um, I love those options. Like, you either get shot or you get shot. Or <laughs> yeah. You get, that's, uh, that's your options. <laughs> yeah. So then the next plan is to have um, – so I'm thinking about just running a great company maybe with just the 20 swordsmen and then the 30 great swords and then handgunners. So what you can do is you can split them into two, have the handgunners behind the swordsmen on the flanks, the 20-man flanks, have the crossbowmen in the middle, and then you can trigger both The handgunners and the crossbowmen, and the thing is with that ability is people didn't realise too is that I don't have to just shoot the charge unit charging me. I can go shoot that phoenix, or I can go shoot something else over in the distance. To so say, someone's on an objective and they got it. I can just go, okay, I'm going to shoot that those eels on the objective, at 60 shots into the, or I can break it up into different things. Um, so with the handgunners, like I can shoot with the Hockland long rifle 30 inches. Um, Another shot
0: in there yeah Chip off of- um,
1: yeah and then if you charge the handgunners, you'll get stand and shoot with those as well like it's <laughs> It's kind of like coming up with the um how the 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 battle line will work and how they all interconnect, and it's probably the hardest thing about the army is remembering how each thing interacts, yeah. um, and you have to kind of double check yourself because it's so, it's easy to cheat and think, okay, I've got this, this and this, um, I activate that when actually it could be outside of the range because it's wholly within twelve. So you got to double check yourself, and I I had to check myself a few times. I nearly did the wrong thing, um, like rolling a three up save for my my swordsmen when they are actually a four up because they're not yeah. in combat; they're only in shooting, and they get the extra one in combat. So the army's all its buffs and its idiosyncrasies. You got to you got to double check yourself. Um, so I've got that. Um, so I've got like two units of handgunners and some swordsmen, some uh, ten swordsmen, twenty swordsmen, and then like thirty. Crossbowmen, the Rough Riders, and then the leadership group is the General on horse with the banner and the lance, which is kind of your staple. Two Griffins, one with the Sword of Judgment uh, with the sword, five attacks. Carl Franz on his a normal one with a hammer. And then the Aziro Copter, and then the Luminarch of Hish to keep it in there, keep it in the center, covering both great companies with a six-up ward save. Um, and then you've got the banner as well on the the General, rolling two dice, taking one... Uh, taking one for um for passing for each banner for each unit, um, which is awesome. And a lot of people didn't know about that either because um, you get to Avengers, you get the banner, and then you get the, the two dice, and you get to re-roll those two dice to get ones again. So you're passing Battleshock pretty regularly as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I've got a few other lists with like Hellstorm Rocket Battery instead of the, the Luminarch um, to support the Griffins. Um and I've been trying uh, healing lists as well. So with, like, a Jade Wizard with Life Surge, um, giving six-up ward save on the Gryphon with healing, um, and then, like, uh, the Life Swarm as well. Yeah. Um, so if the Gryphons get in too deep, I can heal them up or do damage. Um, yeah. And I'm just – that's the thing of, like, my, my hobby is now informed by my gaming. Um, my gaming's informing my hobby, so – I'm looking at, I'm doing the Chris Welfare and looking at all the lists I can, <laughs> that I can do. I've got a, yeah, and amb- like the, the Battle Mage as well on Griffin, um, looking at incorporating that and I've always wanted to paint that model. Um, yeah, there's plenty of, plenty of allies to bring in.
0: Well, you've got um, some time now to kind of work those up too. Like, are you, um with, are you planning on going to any other tournaments soon?
1: Uh, yeah, I've, my job might, my- keep me at bay going more tournaments this year, depending on what happens with that, with going away. Um, but I'm not going as way as much as I was when I was in the military, but I wouldn't mind like uh, that one up in Aubrey that you're looking at. Um, oh,
0: that was?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would love to go, I'd love to go to more events. And that's pretty much why I smashed out my army was so I could go and be more involved in the gaming community um, as opposed to just, you know, sitting at home painting all the time. Um, I think we've got a good community in Canberra for that too with, um, with Jolt and, uh, the guys at, uh, Belcon and Warhammer are very, they're all, uh, you know, especially Matt is into his, uh, into his Age of Sigma. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, he's yeah. got busters. Yeah. So I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Um, but yeah, at the moment, it's just sticking with the free guild. I want to play more games, want to get more involved. Um, and I want to get, you know, probably a more in, uh, yeah, more <laughs> optimized list. Uh, that's that I'll enjoy playing. Um, I kind of didn't really enjoy moving 40 dudes around, that was very clunky. Um, mm, yeah. the first day I didn't bring movement trays and that was bloody painful. The <laughs> second day, yeah, I brought movement trays and it was a lot easier. Um, yeah. it's just, uh, you have to just be clear on how they can move and stuff like that because it can, it can get a bit clunky and people can get a little bit strop, a little bit offside about, um, your pile ins and stuff like that. You you still have to take them off the base, off the the movement tray and stuff like that, yeah. which is understandable. Um, yeah, because so you not... said you
2: you said how did you find the 30, uh, 30 great swords? Because you, like oh. you sound like you're going to keep that. You sound like you're going to keep them in, but I've always wondered about how useful a thirty would actually be because of getting them all in and stuff I think, like that, and how expensive mm, they are.
1: I don't see myself taking them in the future. Um, they. I don't know if it was me not employing them correctly or if they just because I took twenty for this list I took ten out um and they didn't do a lot of work they struggled um I think it's the one wound four up save mm. um and they're not they don't move they're like they're not very they only move five inches so you know put two and two together they just they don't have speed uh they're one wound and they're easy to kill with a four up save um they are good if you get Next to a hero to support stuff. If they were mounted, that would be awesome because they could stick with the the griffin. Um, but they they tag behind. They get stuck. Um, they would be really need, good
2: at. You need the rend, really. Yes, something, something you're lacking yep. across the uh, yep. the militia, I guess. Um, yep. Your crossbow shooting and your swordsman, but that's why I was thinking the outriders are good because they're fast. They keep up with the griffin. Their shooting's pretty decent, and they're actually not bad in combat either. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, Um, the problem is they just die quickly. Um, Yeah. But that's why, you know, when we were talking about the Demigris before, um, that's why I like the Demigris because even though they don't put out a lot of damage, they hold the line for a while as a screening unit and they're on pretty big bases, Mm. um, being monstrous cavalry. Um, But they are super frustrating in combat um, because they're fours and fours on their lances um, and two damage on the charge, one damage without with no rend, which... I still, it still doesn't make sense to me. Um, and when I told Danny Carroll about that, he's like, they're what? They're fours and fours? And you're like, yeah, and they get, and they get mm-hmm. plus one to wound on the charge. So they're fours and threes, um, uh, two attacks each, uh, three attacks with the preceptor, the champion. So, yeah, and then the griffin, like the griffin's got the, the claws, three attacks, fours and threes, negative one, one damage. Um, and you don't get any bonus to that on the charge. So... Yeah, and you give them a halberd. The cavalry halberd doesn't have rend on it either, but the halberd troops have negative one rend on them. Um, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, the only renders on the griffin. It's a bit of um, a yeah. uh, bit of a uh, cognitive dissonance there. <laughs> <laughs> and they're four up saves, rerolling ones with the shields as well. Um, which, but they're four wounds each, so they they hold for quite a while. But um, and you tend to, I tend to buff them to keep them alive because um, they hold units for a long time um which is very expensive screening unit but yeah i don't i don't see me putting them in, in the future i think the like chris said the the outriders are are worth it more with their movement um and when they they st- if they sit on objective they get plus 1 to hit so yeah um they're fours and threes with their repeaters um and d3 damage negative 1 rend um but you know you got the pistoliers as well they're pretty good um it's just their attacks are, are not very good. They're like fives and threes or something, or fives and fours. And, but they've got brace of Pistols with Weight of Attacks and, and Negative 1 to Rend, and they run quite far towards an enemy. Um, yeah. Yeah.
2: I think they can work really well with a, a Free Guild General. Um, now that they've changed the rules around command points, I think Free People's got a big buff there in terms of... Mm. Because they have probably one of the best command abilities in the game in terms of plus one to hit, plus one to wound on up to three units. Mm -hmm. um if they don't move but before you'd only get that on one guy and they're only 100 points on that horse Mm -hmm. so now you could have a couple of them and you can trigger it where you need it so you can have one ride up with some outriders or pistoliers, where you say their stats are maybe fives and threes but suddenly you go actually they're fours and twos for the turn that they're set up and they've got the run they've got the multiple damage they're fast um and the guy on horse can be okay in combat as a counter charge Mm -hmm. piece as well um it's a pretty cheap investment like he's 100 points so maybe rather than putting in an zeros you can do both but you drop some demigriff knights and suddenly you've got 40 points spare yeah. um you, you drop your shackles because you didn't use them that's another 60 points and you can start finding things to use um i mean you you you're going to take you're going to take your you're going to take your great swords out you're going to take 10 of your um I know you're not, you're gonna spend more points on your base troops by splitting yeah. forty into two twenties, but yeah, taking your greatswords out is gonna give you a good chunk of points that you can find. Um you might even find to get the comet more reliable, you could put in a hurricaneum as well as a luminarch. So you've got pluses to cast and you've got more range, more yeah. wound output. Um I'd have to take a, all, yeah. the comet. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'd have it's to take, only on his I'd have to take autogran uh, uh, Order Alliance then because of the ally points. Uh, allies as well, yeah. Yeah, that's the that's the real killer is the four hundred points. Um yeah. I do have a list that has a Knight Encanter, a, a Luminarch and an Everblaze Comet. Uh, so uh and then the two Griffins and a general on horse. Um he's he's the <laughs> the one way to beat a free guild army is to kill that general. Um yeah. and that's uh, why problem- I
2: think it's so good to have two. Yeah.
1: That's, but the scary thing with him is he's he's uh you put him next to the Luminarch he's a and then he's got indomitable he's already a 3 up he's now a 2 up save 6 up ward save um yeah he's hard he can be hard to take down um long as you keep him in cover or protected by uh look, at, look out lookout, sir and the Luminarch um but that's why I've been looking at putting two in the list so to have that that backup um the problem is if they can not do anything like if you have a second one, what's that other one going to do? Unless you're splitting up your army and moving in different directions, which you don't want to do with a free guild army. Um, so yeah, that's the linchpin. A couple of guys took out that free guild general and my army just crumbled, um, after that. Um, that's because it, they literally chewed through the, uh, the swordsmen um, and the, uh, great swords. Um, the Great Swords are very difficult to use. Like, where, where do you put them and what is their purpose? Um, they're an amazing zoning-off unit, so to, like, protect your flank against Deep Strikers. Um, but besides that, there's not much use from. them. You might as well just take a Griffhound unit and, <laughs> and, uh, and let them... So uh, let you shoot with your, like, crossbows and stuff like that. But, yeah. Yeah, that's where we're at with those. Um, so, yeah, I've got a few options to choose from uh, where I'm going to take the army. Um, I'm pretty, I've already started to build the, uh, the units I need for the next build, uh, next army list. So I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah. Nice. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Awesome. So I think just wrapping up, um, obviously I want to thank Brant for coming on. It's been really awesome to talk about kind of all the painting and gaming experience and everything he's had with the army. And um, yeah, it's certainly been something that's been cool for me to see and his utter refusal to play until the whole thing was painted is um is quite uh inspiring and it's uh it's good to know that he's uh got the bug for actually kind of changing up the list and playing now with the army and adding units to it like that um so yeah just kind of before we go i guess upcoming event from us is uh sydney slaughter um held in sydney it's going to be held at padstow rsl on the saturday the 8th and sunday the 9th of June. So we've got 80 tickets for that. So we're hoping to uh, have a pretty big event for everyone. We've got a new space that's um, much bigger. There's a bar with good prices, um, be full buffet lunch and everything provided. So you can go um, find the Facebook event. Um, You can go through the website as well for tickets. There's still plenty of tickets left. Um, So, yeah, get on it.
0: Nice. Yeah, thanks. Thank you so much for joining us, Brent. Um, it's been a pleasure. Um, it's been great having you on the show. And I um, hope uh, all the budding hobbyists out there got got something out of it. I've, I know I did. And, uh, yeah, we'll have you, uh, we'll have you on the get, again on the show at some point in the future, I reckon, to touch base with um, your hobby progress.
1: Awesome. Thanks very much for having me. And uh, to all those free peoples play. make free peoples great again. <laughs>
0: Alright, thanks for listening guys and we'll uh, see you again very soon. We need to get you a red hat now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Make three pay- people's red again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.